Gifting is hard. This isn't news. But what might be news is that you can now send beer, wine, and spirits right to your friends and family with Drizzly, the go-to app for alcohol delivery. Which is good news, because adult beverages are the only gift that no one ever returns. And Drizzly's tailored experience lets you find the perfect drink for the occasion, no matter what it is. You'll save time by shopping a huge selection of drinks from wherever you are. You'll save money by comparing prices on said drinks across stores. And you'll get to spend more time sipping with your gifties. You know, if they're the sharing type. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com and get your favorite drinks delivered today. Ding dong, it's Drizzly. Must be 21 plus. Not available in all locations. And welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. And it's another Monday. We're back after a mammoth Q&A episode yesterday uh, on our Patreon uh, that people can uh, check out. They're evergreen, those things. So if you haven't uh, got through it yet, you still can. We've, uh, we're live here on a Monday night with our patrons. We've just been chatting about Nick's trainers, pub, all kinds of stuff. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a fun Monday night, isn't it, JP? <laughs> <laughs> it really is there's a lot of the god if you thought the preamble to the start of these shows were bad fuck me there's like a further 40 odd minutes that you're not even like kind of taking part in for that point um as well yeah all sorts in there a potentially liable libelous conversation about like dodgy teachers at schools and the the various clouds that they seem to leave their place of employment in <laughs> yeah it's shocking stuff but at the same time very illuminating <laughs> yeah pumas anybody's worth <laughs> yeah gareth yeah. did a deep dive on uh, on whether uh nicks was uh, still a current brand or not we got the uh, was the was the answer to that no they don't exist anymore it doesn't look like it but no. yeah they've uh going for a bit on ebay Find them, find if you've got a pair in, on your loft or just in the back of a cupboard somewhere, mm. fucking cash in, get them on eBay. There's money <laughs> to be made on the old mixed trainers. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Like I say, be, be, better, better investing in Bitcoin. Could have been millionaires, JP. <laughs> well, I'll just say, and maybe it's I'm a Luddite here, at least there seems to be a tangible product that's mm. being bought here as opposed to crypto and NFTs, which I've had it explained to me, but no one explains what exactly you're getting in return. Mm. So sorry. Apparently, it's bad for the environment. That's all I know, really, JP. Oh, terrible for the environment. Mm. The worst for the environment. Do you know why? Yeah. Um, isn't it to do with the enormous amounts of server storage? Oh, yeah. Okay, stuff? there you go. Yeah, there you go. We know something about them then. Yeah, I think that's it. But yeah. then there's people who use. I remember hearing a story in the Blind Boy podcast of a fella he went to school with who was using his solar panels to mine. Um, to make money to mine mm. Bitcoin, which he was using to fund his online poker habit. What a world that you've got yourself in where you're stealing sunlight <laughs> to buy a fictional currency to fund your gambling problem. Like that's that's a set of circumstances I think anyone can expect. But, um, it sounds better than losing your house. Yeah. That it does. Um <laughs> <laughs> but the sun pays for you. I mean, that's something that I would expect from fucking Egypt. <laughs> you know, it's 6,000 BC. Jesus. But well, yes. I was going to say, yeah, you know, well, Ivan mentions there from the Q&A, they apparently watched my uh, wrestling career highlight video and the first there's it's almost, <laughs> almost all entrances. Yes, 
Yes, it is. <laughs> that is that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, it's highlights in, uh, in the most ironic form possible. It's just it's just clips of me getting beaten up, everyone. That's all it is. You're not missing nothing. Great entrances, but but you know you're getting the shine on everyone else. That was the <laughs> no. job. You got it, Barry Horowitz style. <laughs> there was no shine. No No, no, no. We talked all that. Yeah, yeah no, uh, no choice in my entrance music. Unfortunately, I was uh, stuffed with the Austrian. Yeah. But yeah, that Q and A was fun. We got uh, we got some some answers to some burning questions. Found out what uh, what you guys would have uh, chosen for uh, for entrance music as wrestlers. Uh, JP was uh, was hoping to be a meme wrestler, and we found that out. You know, but, uh, yeah. some things about each other on that Q and A show. I think we did, didn't we? It all. Very one of the questions, which is, "What is the most scared you've ever been?" I mean, that's I've still quite, got an answer for like, that. There's a lot there. Mm. There's a lot to kind of think about and contemplate. Mm. Like you just think, "God, this this could this could get very dark very quickly." And then um, Gareth told him about the time that a ghost miner, <laughs> and that's like someone with a, you know, mining fucking coal from damp pit, damp pit, um, basically tried to sexually assault him. Um, <laughs> as ghosts. <laughs> Would I be right in saying that? Is that an accurate assessment of that story, Gareth? <laughs> well, uh, the, the ending's slightly different to how I remember it. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but you can have your fantasies, JP. You can. He uh... was up to no good, that fella, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I, I had the uh, I had the duvet over me. You know, oh, fail safe. You know, mm. some uh, some unwanted person in your bedroom, duvet over your head every time. <laughs> it's the, the fail-safe way of getting out of any tricky situation. <laughs> I did that. I did that when the Canary Wharf bombings went off from the IRA in the early nineties. So I was having a kit. The duvet over my head. All good. So I was fine. So like, you can't argue with the results. <laughs> oh god! I, I thought that I thought the most scared you'd been, Benno, was where mm. when you were questioning whether you might be able to edit that story or so or not. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> yes, there, uh, it was an uncensored Q and A, but no, I think it needed a little bit of censor, and that will come for oh. a future Patreon to hear some of the stories though. I would say for you, Benno, the most scariest thing seems yet to come because you need to give us an update on the um, phantom dog shit <laughs> and what appears to be a group of people trying to audition for the CCTV bit of Crime Watch. Rest in peace. Mm. Um, you know. Oh, so yeah, how is it going? All right, Any I had a fucking like this was um, Thursday morning, so I went to went to London for the weekend, and like before I left, I got up in the morning. Anyone who follows me on Twitter will have seen. I had a, I had no put through my door. It was uh, one of my neighbours uh, who's <laughs> who's going to be a lead character in this story going forward, saying that because um, I've got I've got some like I'm trying to make the outside of my house a bit nicer, you know, just trying like put off. The, the phantom dog shitter and put off the uh, the people causing trouble just be like yeah it's a nice place someone lives here you know don't be a dickhead don't don't shit on me welcome Matt uh, and yeah I got up and there was a note through me tell saying one of my uh, said something like your, your new plant hi Richard your new plant has been dug up probably a cat hopefully not a rat but but it will need covering quick and I was like what what? And I went outside my door, and yet one of my uh, one of my plants had been turned up and pretty much taken out of its bowl. Um, this is my this is my my lovely neighbour uh, Jeannie, um, who is uh, I don't know. Uh, JP is very suspicious of her. She's a fucking monster, mate. Kathy Bates out of fucking misery. It's like that's that's what she is. Sorry, that's what I've got in mind. Like, and at some point you're going to end up strapped to the bed and she'll be smashing in your fucking ankles with a massive sledgehammer. <laughs> 
Uh, well, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people on Twitter were, were saying that, like that, that is that seems like a likely story. Like, uh, you know, oh yeah, was it a cat or a rat or was it just Jeannie? But I'm telling you, she's a uh, she's like that. She's that no local neighbor who just she knows everything about everyone. I put I sent you the picture on Twitter, JP, of like the Christmas card she gave me when I first moved Man. in, and it was I mentioned that on the Q and A yesterday. It was just literally like, oh yeah, so and so lives here. Their two kids are autistic. John lives in this house. His wife is dead. This woman lives here. She is also a widow. And it was like the full yeah. background of everyone who lives in the street. Um, like there's definitely a GDPR con- it- concerns with her now. <laughs> Did she describe someone and it's in brackets had unemployed? Yeah. Or something like that next to their name. Like, could be on gardening leave if you want some man. As the chat said, she is the uh, the Pauline Fowler um of my neighbourhood. Yeah. Uh, it was like it was almost like she's giving me a list of suspects there, JP, as to who the uh, who the person is, messing with my plants and uh, and messing with, with my doormat. But yeah, again, it just it just points more fingers at Jeannie um, at number two. Smoke and mirrors. Mm, I'm being <laughs> How old's Jeannie? Uh, maybe like 60, something like that. I don't know, something like that. But So is that woman who dropped that cat into that bin. She looked about 60 as well. Age is no excuse for this. Evil is evil. Mm. It's bad. Um, but it was a great start to the yeah. day, to be honest, because, yeah, that happened. And then I went to get the, tr- the first time leaving Liverpool, other than, I suppose, uh, Col corrected me on this. I did go visit Col in Cheshire uh, last month, but I don't think that really, that properly counts. Uh, but when to, oh, going to Lime Street, I was running late from a train, went past the tramp, and he tried to get some, he, he asked me for money. And I was dead polite. I was like, oh, no, sorry, mate, I've got no money. He was like, oh, oh yeah well if i if somebody asked me i'd stop and give them a bit of conversation and i was like what it's like i tell you, i literally just turned around to him and went what and he, he started he literally started going oh well oh you think you think you're hard do you oh just because you're bigger than me you think listen just because i'm 10 stone i could take you and he's in the middle of the lime street station what? and i'm just standing there like my train's due in two minutes. I was like, mate, I don't need any trouble. I've already had a hard enough morning, is what I was, what I was thinking. Just let me go and get me trained. I was just, he was trying to, like, he's proper getting in my face as well. Uh, luckily, I had my mask why, on. Why? Though. Like, it was, I don't know why he decided to pick on me. Why'd you keep making enemies? You're going to have more piled up outside your front door, then I don't know. <laughs> it's going to look like that scene from Jurassic Park with Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> when he finds it that's what it's going to look like on your on your front doorstep like Nick Gage I feel like I'm a very likeable person but apparently not like Nick Gage so you know <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> going around making friends everywhere I go um, but he let me past eventually but yeah first time I tried to leave Liverpool in six months and someone tries to start a fight with me so that was fun it's a Liverpool way, isn't it? If we're playing mm-hmm. entirely to stereotype, <laughs> it's 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 almost like someone's like giving you a fond farewell, trying to kick off a Liverpool line street. <laughs> the is that the one with the weather spoons? Is indoors? Yeah, there's one in there. It is. Yeah, yeah and I met yeah, Gareth yeah, yeah. that time. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, by I think it is just you, Ben, because I'm just thinking about the. Uh, um, the guy who sits outside Tesco here, and I, I said, I asked him the other day about like, George, you want me to buy you anything when I went in, went in there? And he was like, no, no. And he was like, here, do you want to share this? And he like pulled out a butty that someone had bought him uh, previously. So there you go. Nice friendly face, me. Uh, want me to sit down and share a, uh, share a homeless man's butty with him, whereas uh, you're, getting, you're getting dogs abused. So, I'm, the one, there you go. 
I'm honestly, I'm not. This is like the you know, I'm not bragging, but I am the one who will often buy like the butties for the for the homeless people. When I, like, if I go into Greg's and there's a homeless man sat outside, I'll always offer to buy them a coffee or something. They usually say no, which is kind of weird. I always think like because they just want cash, don't they? Really? I think it's the uh, yeah. the answer. But I always make the offer, so you know that could have been my butty. You were uh, you were munching on there. You should have be been good. buying a vegan sausage rolls, mate. That's what you're doing. <laughs> on the, that's what they want. The, the tastes have changed. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what it is. But yeah, uh, London was nice though. Yeah, it was good. It was fun. It was um, <laughs> honestly, I was saying it in the pre-show. Like COVID is not a thing. Like everywhere, every, pretty much every bus and train I was on, like no one was wearing the masks or whatever. You kind of forced to in bars and stuff. But other than that, um, it was kind of a bit of a free for all. But yeah, it was fun being able to go, go on a pub crawl through Camden, sort of pub called the uh, the Wrestlers, um, which was a a good. Start stop off a uh, good one for uh, for anyone who's uh <laughs> there was no like rest they didn't really make any effort other than the pub cup being called the wrestlers there wasn't really any good like memorabilia inside some of the uh check the basement them. Mm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you've just given up so i need to uh, have a word with them um, oh i did go past the uh the hippodrome by the way though yeah they had like a um they had like uh magic mike live on um apparently that's a, a live stage show now jp but there was no kevin nash on the bill unfortunately so didn't wow. uh, didn't stop him for it Wolfgang. <laughs> Mark Coffee. <laughs> I think they would. Yeah. They'd be the, they'd be the ones who get that call, would they? I, I remember going, like, there was some sort of club thing at the Hippodrome. I remember going there once. It was one of the worst places I've ever been to in my life. Mm. Absolutely loathed it. Yeah. That, those West End clubs, mate, have nothing to do with them. Leave. Mm. Uh, apart from the Astoria and the A. Is it a setup? Yeah. You're going to get ripped off if you go going. Yeah, it's just inordinately expensive and it's just shit. Mm. Shit music. It's, it's the kind of place where, you know, they'll want shoes on before mm. you go in. No, mm. there's trainers, Lark. Oh. So, yeah. yeah. It's like going out but in 1996. Remember them days? Bloody hell. That's where shoes oh. to get into places. Couldn't go back to that. Get your brogues on. Thank God. Thank God we had a... It all changed when we got a Labour government in in 97, isn't it? <laughs> that was the real cause. Uh, I remember being on a night out after the PCW show with Carl in Preston and a bouncer wouldn't let him in with his uh, with his trainers on and Carl was a little bit pissed and he literally went and got a policeman and tried to uh, <laughs> tried to argue with the bouncer about the fact that it was uh, it was his legal right to be allowed entry even though he was wearing trainers. He didn't win that <laughs> argument, but I always respect him for trying. <laughs> I'll try that if I ever try and get in the hippodrome. Get, getting the coppers involved it, they're not there to go do you know what you've got a point let's let's go and win this battle on behalf <laughs> of you I'll ignore the various other things going on around uh, around Preston City Centre at that time which from my limited experience is fucking plenty mm. there's there's shit going on on those roads isn't it Benno it's very true it's very true but <laughs> yeah <laughs> while I was off in uh, London what did you guys get up to have a good, uh, good weekend JP uh, a decent weekend, busy weekend. I'm kind of really snowed under with a, a sort of lot of work stuff. As I explained on the pre-show, there was a point, I mean, I've been doing the daily updates, but I was, because uh, we didn't have a weekend show this weekend, uh, we will be doing stuff, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had, uh, yeah, sort of a nice, a relatively sort of nice relaxing weekend, went out to a halfway decent country pub on, on Friday. That was That was all right. Nothing more than that. Um, yeah, I'm not like you going off to that London. Um, mm. It's kind of your big, your big weekend away. Um, 
yeah, a lot more sedate in comparison. Mm. I'll watch the final last day of the, of the league season as well. Yeah. And, uh, and very, very glad. I was keeping close eye on my phone. The on Premier Sunday. League is over and done with. Yeah. Mm. But hey, it leads us nicely into some fantasy leagues. So. I was going to say, as was Gareth, I'm sure. Is that, do you have a good Sunday, Gareth? Have a good day. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> how did how did Man City ever go down in your place? There's, there's, friends who, there's friends who stab you in the back making fantasy draft team uh, Transfers for the first time in weeks, almost as if just to, as, 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 as almost as if just to cost you a league title. They've got nothing to play for him. It is the best thing that happened in my season. Oh, yeah, Gareth, nicely last year, I think it was, invited me to his uh, his draft. Is it like a, a draft league with your workmates or your or your? Yeah, and you needed an extra body for it. Let me let me in his league. I put a lot of effort in this year, Gareth. But well, I did for the first half of the season anyway, and then it kind of went by by the wayside in the uh, in the draft until the last that. week. And you decided to put a bit of fucking effort in, in the last week. <laughs> and in the last week, yes, who did the sign? I don't even know. I signed Saka, wasn't it? I signed Saka. No, right? it was Pepe. Oh, oh yeah, Pepe. Fucking... Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know who you signed. You cost. <laughs> <laughs> How many did you lose the uh, the game you, by Gareth? Was it? Was it? I, I, I... We lost on points. Di- I lost on points difference on the final day of the season to my arch nemesis in work because you fucking <laughs> randomly nip in and buy fucking Pepe and uh, deny me the opportunity to sign him with the uh, with my ranking in our uh, draft system. So uh, yeah, cheers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to say I did it on purpose. I just logged in and it said he was available, so I brought him in. But I'm not saying I wouldn't have done it if I did know, because if I did know, I definitely would have done it then. Because it is the it's the main <laughs> achievement this year for me is I cost Gareth from winning the league, and I'll take that. That's that's my was, spoken like a true Everton fan, I suppose. I was gonna, I was going to say there, there, there was plenty of ha 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 has on that message that you replied back to me. You were definitely yeah. accurately getting across the level of delight you were experiencing about the, that fact. So, uh. is this a common theme for you, Gareth? Sort of like being like Everton fans, kind of generally, kind of laughing at your mis- misfortune and stuff like that. In a, in a whether it's FPL, any kind of sporting stuff. See, it seems to be you can't get away from the bit of blue stuff, can you? No, largely. I have the last laugh when it comes to Everton, really, doesn't it? You know, when, <laughs> oh. uh, when you when you when you pay fifteen million for Carlo Ancelotti to come in and um, took him nicely there behind where Sam Allardyce did in the league and where Silver did in the league and things like Hello that. Hello, us, mate, and we were fucking abysmal. But then Benno had the last. Benno, you finished top of all of us out of the three of us in yeah, in, the, the- in the Grapple League. Close to that, I'm annoyed I didn't make the top 10. I missed out to, to Joe S. It might be my mate Joe, I'm not sure. But he beat me by like two points. Um, and I was, yeah, so I'm, I'm 11th. Um, so just missed out on top 10. But got to give credit to uh, to Jordan Steins, who's uh, who's in the chat. Oh, yeah. Who, uh, who won the whole thing. Uh, well the, done, the Jordan. League, well like, done, Jordan. A, a solid victory by about 30-odd points uh, to Dave Barker, who was in second, and uh, and Jamesy trailed him in third. Rob Reed, who'd been uh, doing really well through the early uh, season. Season was top mm. for a for a long time uh, at the start of the season, kind of uh, dropped down a little bit uh, to the ends. But yeah, Jordan is uh, the overall uh, winner of the Grapple League. We'll uh, be getting something over to you, Jordan, as a uh, as a reward for it. I think we've all got a, got a taste for having yes. uh, some kind of proper uh, something proper at stake next year. But we'll definitely uh, honor that this year for your uh, for your achievement this year. But yeah, even though what? even though I was eleventh, I was nowhere near him. I spent the last day literally concentrating on my work league because I was forty points behind. First in that league, and the guy in front of me had 
Harry Kane and but he didn't have Salah and I was like, well, so I basically just made all my transfers to get the opposite players of him and then I ended up pretty much getting the exact same points as him anyway. So I just got fucked. <laughs> it didn't happen. Um, so maybe that would have uh, cost me my place in the top ten. But yeah, I was nowhere near. And yeah, um, I know where were you on JP? You're like like twenty first, and um, I think Gareth was relegated. Well, jo- I'm pretty sure. I don't think joint 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 twentieth with uh, with Simon Young. Come oh, that's important. That's um, important point. Oh, what the tiebreaker was. I, I I don't know, but I I don't want to say I feel robbed. I don't feel that strong. You know what it might it, be? But I have been robbed. It might be Buckingham's idea because uh, fault because his team name is Tsunami Tsunami, and you've gone yeah. with Zumhoff now, which is hilarious. <laughs> but it's probably cost you the twentieth place. Well, you know, there's a there's that's karma, isn't it? Mm. You know, you decide to use. Buck Zoomhofer's laughing material, which as you two found out live on a show, is not really <laughs> laughing material. Um, uh, yeah, you use that. That's what happens. Mm. But yeah, I'm all right with it because it's like the first year I really stuck with it. Mm. And a lot of it, and we were saying this in the pre-show as well, as with a lot of this stuff, is it was something to focus on during lockdown. Totally. It gave us all something to do. It was like winning, losing and the rest of it, you know, even when you're jumping into chats and you're talking about the teams you're picking and and everything else, it just gave you something to do and focus on. I know it did for my son as well. And yeah, it it kind of really could see the kind of enjoyable kind of communal aspect. I mean, a couple of notes. I know that top 10 Hmm. feels like it was like that for a very, very long time with very much the kind of the, the same people around that for like mm. what seemed to be like a really long period of time. I know Ben, you went up about like sort of 12, 13 places, didn't you? Over like the last few weeks. You, you had know. a great finish. Yeah. 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 Mainly because you were like Arsenal. <laughs> all the silverware was, all the silverware was sorted out and then you went on a good run. To I learned that That's this year. Awesome. The less, the yeah. less like thought I put into it, and just like make a transfer on deadline day. It turns out I'm a better manager that way because um, I was distracted mm. by uh, other stuff going on. I'm not really playing it. <laughs> Plus, like, it kind of the league was gone for me in a lot of places. It did it worked out for the best. So uh, that might be a, a tip for next year. Have you found it, JP? This is your first year properly, properly paying attention. Mm. I know Jamesy kind of said the same thing, and obviously he finished top four. And you know he was saying, you know, again, it was a, a good distraction this year for him. But yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, he did pretty well considering. I'm I'm all right with it, even though on the triple game week, which really fucked me over, that I've completely forgot to change the team. But there's that. Like, and I lost about like 30 odd points, I think, from that week alone. I was like the lowest pretty much in the table, apart from the people who weren't playing the game anymore. And had Danny Ceballos in their teams and stuff like that. And Alexander Mitrovic up front, um, <laughs> sticking with him to the bitter end. Mm. Which I know a lot of people did at the start, didn't mm. they? When, like, it, it, so there was a lot of kind of like it. It, it was about it, there's various kind of things about like how you put your team together. That's a lot more kind of intricate because you've got to kind of prepare for certain. There's a point where you kind of know what the next few weeks are going to be, mm. and you kind of need to get your team in a certain place when it comes to say double game weeks. But then towards the end of this season, it just went mental because mm. there were so many games in the fixture list they had to kind of fit in. So there's there's a lot of variables, but you've just got to stay on top of it and you've got to try and get on players before they start that trend. So like as soon as Joe Willock had gotten, I think it was four goals, I put him in my side and it was just like a regular like goal a week kind of lads chuck in there. So yeah, there's a lot of... Um, 
Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And like oh, I say, Gareth, it was a godsend for everybody else. Could do with some tips here, Gareth, for next season, would you reckon, mate? <laughs> oh, God, I, I, I tell you, I'm the, jo- I'm the Jose Mourinho of it. It's just been depressing for me. I'm used to seeing ones next to my leagues. And like uh, now, I've, uh, <laughs> now, now I've gone the other way the last two years. I think I, I think I finished behind you both last year and JP was only half arsing it last year. I've, uh, <laughs> I, I, th- I, think it's a, I think it's a lockdown. I need to. Uh, mm. It's it, it's uh, it's all those home games and things like that. It's busted the formula. Mm. We'll uh, wait till the crowds are back. But, no, go. no, I think I've. Uh, think uh, think I need to reevaluate. I'll, I'll maybe stop. <laughs> I'll, I'll maybe stop playing again. <laughs> <laughs> it could be worse. We, I was looking at the grapple league. Rock bottom was uh, Elliot Harris, so I don't think he's made it. He actually had a good final week, but was at least like maybe seven hundred <laughs> points away from top. Uh, Mark Butchers was with him. Alan Block, Alan uh, Cheap Shot, Alan Blockstock was uh, four from bottom as well. He was. Uh, I think he was purposely attempting to uh, to come bottom. Yeah. Early. we'll do that. We'll have a wooden spoon. Uh, prize for you so there you go something for you to play for next year Gareth we'll, uh, we'll sort you out with. sorry <laughs> it's only because I know you take it as seriously as I do <laughs> it hurts I know it hurts it sticks there's going to be deep competitiveness coming out very fucking soon the start <laughs> of next so, season <laughs> yeah can it never went away can you not feel it coursing through my veins as it's coming through the Wi-Fi it's probably it's, it's probably why your Wi-Fi kept fucking tripping out last night when we got that Q&A was like, was like the fucking Emperor sat here in Star Wars just like <laughs> fantasy league electricity coming out. It has. It would explain the blurry actually improved as well. Yeah, it sorted your pictures, yeah. so <laughs> maybe that's what we needed <laughs> to get this thing going. Uh, but no, it was it was um, a lot of fun this year. So yeah, hopefully yeah. Uh, everyone who, uh, who joined the league had a, had a good a time as we did. Might might well do a Euros one um, just to get a, excited for the Euros. But proper stuff will uh, will be coming next season. Oh yeah. Yeah, we've mm. got some plans for that as well. So yeah. yeah. Also in proper footy, Liverpool finished there. How that happened? Don't even know. I fought form team in the league the last <laughs> last thirteen games of the season. No one took more points than us in the last thirteen. You watch those tricky reds next season. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Leicester completely crumbling. Mm. Didn't help. Was it five? Yeah. What an, it was genuinely like an exciting afternoon. I thought it was on Sunday. Like just watching, like because it felt like as well all of like the major players <laughs> and like fancy football points of view were getting points. Um, but yeah, it was um, because I it seemed to be a flipping and flopping through the afternoon. It's all about La Liga on the Saturday. That's ah. where the real. That's where oh. the real action is, mate. Are you doing a La Liga <laughs> FPL, mate? You know, I'm in my league of one me versus me. <laughs> I won. It was great. Congrats. <laughs> and also lost. <laughs> French league was exciting. Lille beat PSG. So at least one element of the Rebel Alliance managed to get something against one of the uh, the kind of the, the evil empire. That was mm-hmm. nice. One more for the good guys. <laughs> it is. Oh, oh, wait, it's a lonely furrow. Chris mentions here in the chat, yeah, apparently the, the Fiend was oh. pictured in the crowd at Wolves. What was, I did see the picture. What was that? What was that just, that's just a fan I, in a Fiend mask. Because I know yeah. um, Sin Cara and uh, Raul Jimenez are boys, aren't they? So uh, <laughs> maybe there's a connection there somehow. I don't know if Sin Cara will be there next season. Now Nuno's gone. God mm. knows. That, that that might change it all around. But yeah, you've pretty much hit the nail on the head. It was a, it was a Wolves fan in a wolf shirt wearing a fiend mask and I don't think you can describe it as anything else other than that other than for shame <laughs> like absolute shame mm. I assume he's got one of those title belts as well mm. that looks like I don't know something from fucking Hellraiser 2 
or like the end of the Hellraiser when your man's getting ripped apart. <laughs> Christ, he yeah. had the gloves on as well. Yeah, he's one. He's definitely one of those fans who goes on Twitter and talks about the lore and talks about the uh, the uh, the genius of uh, of Bray Wyatt. Um, it's good as a joker, mate. <laughs> yes, joker. I agree. <laughs> oh, therefore, t- <laughs> there's a there's a connection between those two fan bases. I think. Mm. Incels, mm. I would say that that's that's a big part of the connection of those two fan bases, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. If you see a, a fiend, f- if you see a f- somebody on Twitter with a with a picture of the fiend and their avatar, or as I learned this weekend, Seth Rollins and their avatar, you know they're uh, they're coming with uh, yep. with bad intent. Um, shout out to Bad IWC takes by the way for uh, for picking on me this weekend. That was a fun. Fun little adventure. Got, got you some, got you some followers there. It did. It really, genuinely, I was happy with that. I got, I got more likes for my tweet than than they, they did for theirs. Trying, trying to point me out as a bad, as having a bad take for saying Seth Rollins is, isn't a very good wrestler. I feel like that's just a standard thing. We don't all agree on that at this point. Bad heel, bad baby face, yeah. bog standard. I was, I was happy to see you come to me, it's actually, Gary, because I'd given him too much credit. I said he was a three point two five star wrestler, and you, you pulled up the grapple stats for him, did you? What is it, two point nine nine or something like that? 2.9. And I'm sure I'm sure if you went on cage match as well, all the numbers would generally agree to that. Oh, yeah. Who thinks he's good? Who thinks he's good? Seth Rollins. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> Seth Rollins and the people who think Randy Orton's the best wrestler in the world. Have you seen that kick off today? Because oh, because apparently Jim Jim Ross said that he's a uh, Jim Ross AEW employee. <laughs> he's had a couple of clangers this week. <laughs> said that uh, yeah, that Randy Orton's the best wrestler in the world with uh, with respect to Kenny Omega. It was just even Kenny got in uh, on the action, uh, giving old uh, old Jim some grief. He's uh, yeah, he's not a uh, not exactly a singer from the AEW him sheath. I can't imagine much of the. Uh, the AEW fan base are uh, a big Randy Orton fans. Was he pissed? <laughs> Possibly. Or horny. He's usually horny online, yeah. isn't he, rather than pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry when he said that. I just, I'm reminded by a, a very stupid video clip I sent you to earlier on in the week where somebody edited the um, Kurt Angle milk truck angle. <laughs> to basically make it look like it was cum. Rather than that, and then slowing down Jim Roy, Jim uh, Ross's voice as well. It hmm. was it was incredibly childish, and I I laughed for like an hour, hmm. and I cried more than once. <laughs> so I just go back to it again. Oh, yeah, I was definitely watch it again, watch it again, watch it again. I was like, I was laughing my head off. It was so well done. True. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Will says in the chat we do need to get Stefan she is the fiend expert which if you go to up next mania you'll you'll hear that there's um very very knowledgeable of the law think of her like the um you know think of her like the people who write the law books about the game game of thrones and all the various places around Westeros Mm. That's Steph's job, effectively, isn't it? <laughs> Talking about the fiend. Oh, honestly, the grief she gets from the uh, from the the, the fiend fans uh, for some of the work because it, like, it's yeah, yeah, the, yeah, fiend the files. That's it. That's the uh, the phrase we coined, isn't it? Because uh, she dares to say that he's actually not that good. Um, but yeah, those those uh, those angry WWE fans on the internet treating it like like you're, like you're picking on some underdog, not the biggest wrestling company in the world that's been terrible for most of our like natural lives on this earth is like it's something 
something that uh, it's worth riding for, just like yeah, the people riding for Randy Orton today. I literally saw like some gobshite journal post something about, oh, you can't appreciate Randy Orton if you've not been in the ring, so I don't think we should talk about this. And it was like, I mean, <laughs> if, if I'm watching it with my own eyes and I'm finding boring, I find them boring. Like, I've been in the ring and I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. You know what I mean? I hate that argument. It's like, oh, he's a worker's worker. Ooh, his footwork's so good. It's like, who cares if the matches are crap at the end of it or painfully average, which they kind of are when it comes to Randy. Like, then, you know, none of that matters, does it? It doesn't matter about the uh, the little things the uh, the wrestlers care about. What what were the ratings the week before Randy Orton made his debut and what are they now? Good point. (laughs) Are we blaming him for it? Is it all Randy's fault? I think so. He's a consistent yeah. though, isn't he? Like tw- twenty odd years of like pr- same guy in the same trunks doing the same shit. Like I respect him as a person, genuine. Like I think you know, he was an absolute piece of shit when he was younger, and now like I kind of like that he's got like this. He's got he's almost got like this Kevin Nashy kind of attitude of like, why should I put more effort in? I've got you know he's got a, he's got a hot wife and loads of and loads of millions in the bank, and you know he kicks off on Twitter every now and then, and then he goes off and and smokes some weed, and that's the end of his day um you know and he looks like randy orton so you know good for him <laughs> but it doesn't mean i actually enjoy his uh his in-ring work the wrestlers wrestler when was the, said. when was the last time i mean he, every year mm. he has a worst a very credible mm. worst match of the year contender true doesn't yeah. he every single year mm. without fail mm. like i find it absolutely incredible that People can go, say this about it. But like, there is, it's it, it's the, the kind of the match structure absolutely fucking kills him. Mm. Like it, 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 it's his matches are death. Mm. They have like I think for like one of the times when um I know there was like a Randy Orton reward and I was like on on the grapple app and I went through and rated all those Randy Orton matches. <laughs> Gareth just thought sounds like a nervous breakdown this or a midlife crisis um but yes and i went through sort of testing out the gamification stuff it's all two and a half <laughs> two and a half maybe a three and a half on a time where i'm either pissed high or generous like you know outside of that a man deserves n- he's boring you've just hit the he's boring mm. there's no convincing otherwise mm. Yeah, that's it. And just because, yeah, just because you're a like a Jim Ross who's like, yeah, oh, I can see like the little things he does doesn't mean you, you, yeah, you can shout down fans and then tell them tell them they're wrong. It's like I'm I'm looking at um like the um apparently today on BTE um I don't know how serious he was, but Matt Jackson took a shot at Jim Ross and said he he's the world's worst wrestling commentator. I don't know if that's a joke or not, but. Might be an argument for it. Tells you more about like all that all that stuff uh, last week we didn't get to cover it on the podcast. Well, apparently all the strife behind the scenes at a at AW between the executives. To be honest, I can't see Jim Ross mm. being a, a young Bucks or a, or a Kenny Omega uh, idea. That's very much a, a Cody one, isn't it? Um, and he is kind of yeah. He just out of place, isn't he? Like uh, those comments and a couple of the other things he said recently just made me think, yeah, you're in you're in the wrong company, Jim mate. It's just uh, I just, I don't think it's ever been a good fit. I. I don't know if I feel as strongly about it as you do, Benno. Like mm. I, I get the criticisms of him, mm. but in some ways, I also understand kind of why he's there. Mm. And in some ways, there's, I like Shivani and Excalibur, and mm. even Taz when it, and even Don Callis when they all turn up. Mm. In some way, I'm not as bothered by him. But yeah, I, I get the overall idea. I mean, really, if he was being honest with himself, it'd be like 
I should only be doing like kind of special pay-per-view matches and stuff like that and coming back for that stuff and maybe taking on a, a bit more of a backstage, let's organise the back of this company role. Because I think actually that's the place where he really could add some actual value. Mm. I'm not saying do the role that he had for a long time like under Vince, but I think a variant of teaching someone to do that about actually this is how you need to manage this because that appears to be one of the problems in AEW. Mm. It's not, it's, you know, there appears to be problems in every wrestling company if we look hard enough though, isn't there? Mm, that's, that's true. You know. It's it's just that bollocks idea that it's like you've got Jim Ross on commentary and there's going to be some, like casual fans or something like that from the attitude here are going to be flicking through the channels and hear Jim Ross's voice and be like, oh, Jim Ross, let's give this mm. a go. Like just yeah. because Jim, what a what a crock of shit. As if anyone's doing that. Like it's you know this. I hate this whole argument that people try and peddle that by having this like voice recognition, it's going to make people stop when they're flicking through the channels and just decide to to mm. watch it just because of Jim Ross. Mm. If Jim Ross is the biggest fucking draw that you've got then you fucking might as well just pack up and go home like mm. i could you know get you know get him in there for a bit of credibility for one year or something like that but yeah it needs to be a it needs to be farmed out now especially when he's been like negative towards the the um passive aggressive pro, you know pro, pro, product kind of thing and you, you know he's you can tell those matches where he's actively like mm. not enjoying it or he's not asked and he's just been like sarcastic and bringing stuff down you don't need somebody doing that about the product. It's fucking, you know, it's, it's bad enough when you've got bad commentators trying to hype stuff up. Never mind when you've got bad commentators trying to bring it down as well. But mm. God, yeah, that's yeah. it. And like, I think that's it. I think I'm, I'm with you in that. Like, yeah, there was maybe. N- Maybe there was a point early on where it's like, oh, we're a legitimate wrestling company because Jim Ross works for us. Maybe, maybe it's like when TNA had Hogan, you know, maybe some like, dumb executive somewhere buys it and therefore it gets you a little bit more leeway when it comes to, you know, getting a, a decent deal and stuff. But yeah, we're way past those days. And yeah, they've got so many other talented commentators there. Like, he's just yeah. Unnecessary, isn't he? That's the crazy thing is, I don't know if you've seen any, I mean, I've seen bits of AW Dark Elevation and I'll watch it this week to see Renneri and Rocky Romero. I'm just mm-hmm. intrigued that there's elements to, to kind of them being on that. And Paul White is very good as a commentator. Mm-hmm. I have to say he's a really engaging presence. He, when he does his interviews and everything else, he's kind of taken to it really well. Mm-hmm. I imagine he'll be coming out at some point and a double or nothing. I've just got the feeling that he's going to be like the mystery man in the bloody battle Royal type of stuff. I think, I think I could see them doing something like that because hmm. it's an easy match to go to with him and, and Kenny. So I'm jumping the gun, going into a double or yeah. nothing preview, but Whatever. he's good. <laughs> Taz, Callis. Yeah. Oh, Callis. Bloody. Callis, who's, yeah. who's politics his way out of it, <laughs> into a proper job at AEW, which is always what he was going to do. Apparently not an exec anymore at Impact. Smart man. Smart man, that Don Callis. Well, in some ways, it should be the Scott Moore show, mm. Impact. It's, it's really, if there's someone who's earned the right to kind of inherit TNA, I would say it's Scott Demore, who has, frankly, if you think of it, if he hadn't been around in that company, that company would have been dead a long time ago because he got it to a decent level. Then they fucked it over and he managed to get them to a level where they're kind of, he's managing to kind of hide them almost. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, it, it's, um, yeah, completely lost train of thought there. Sorry. Thought so. <laughs> <laughs> completely went off. I saw Ivan's AW comment. AEW commentators. AEW commentators. Load of good commentators there. The end. <laughs> 
<laughs> Agreed. More you may say. Jim Ruskin drug up. Uh, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> but yeah, we should uh, move on to the uh, to the news this week. Obviously, there's been uh, quite a quite a bit of news uh, since we uh, we last recorded, and uh, a fair amount uh, coming through the weekend. But I think the uh, the, the biggest news story we should definitely definitely talk about is uh, is Will Ospreay. Um, Will Ospreay vacating the uh, the IWGP world title. Um, that news came through, I believe it was on Thursday, wasn't it? It was the 20th when uh, when that news first uh, came through. And yeah, I think first reaction was, oh, Ospreay's, getting, Ospreay's stepping down from being champion because of an injury. Fuck, it might be serious. Or fuck, it must be serious because think about the injuries. You know, someone like an Ospreay who works the, uh, the style he does probably walks around with uh, day to day and then... As more details have come out, it's it's gotten a little bit more murky, hasn't it? Um, our uh, our good friends, the uh, the hot pocket eating fucks over at uh, Voices of Wrestling, uh, <laughs> in the, uh... <laughs> shout out to Lanza and Craig, uh, wrote out the uh, they put on their uh, their Patreon, and it was uh, widely uh, spread uh, after that uh, about uh, potentially um, there being uh, more to the story um, and there being issues uh, allegedly, uh, at least initially with. Um, the gauging um, talent over in Japan um, not mm. being happy about the uh, the messing around with the schedules and you know a couple of people obviously have tested positive and there's been more news about that the last couple of days uh, you know Okada being uh, chief among them as far as the native talent goes but yeah there's uh, you know definitely uh, rumours of uh, of gauging talent having to uh, to isolate and yeah the Fifth Finley himself went on a, went on a, a podcast and talked about the fact that yeah David Finley and uh, and Jay White have uh, are having to uh, to quarantine at the moment in Japan and there's all of those issues going on there's been more fuel added to the fire today where you know i don't really like to speculate on it too much but you know maybe potentially issues between uh osprey and b Priestley, uh, and potentially um rumor rumor of uh of an nxt signing of will osprey or at least uh, uh fuji uh, who does a lot of stuff for uh for uh for, for the observer website who's uh who's been good with the scoops in the past speculating that uh osprey might be nxt uk bound uh, i don't know if i'd go that far with the with the speculation for this but it all does seem um a little bit odd doesn't it it just seems a little bit like maybe not the headline of you know osprey uh you know st- stepping down as as champion it seems like because of a neck injury it seems like there's a a fair maybe more to this story gareth than uh than meets the eye at the moment yeah that's it like you say at first it seemed like very much so you know when it's when he's been given that opportunity where he's been given that belt and then it's like a neck injury your first thought is like oh fuck this must be like a very you know serious injury for the you know for this to be put in place and not to be um you know just just ridden out really and just you know see where they're at obviously they've been having shows cancelled and things like that so you think you can maybe like buy a bit of time into the process and just take stock and things but then yeah like you say as the as the news has filtered out and there's seems to be more and more substance or speculation been thrown in there in 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 wider different areas it's definitely got you second guessing things i think the Mm. most surprising thing is that if it is not due to a you know genuinely due to a severe neck injury and it is due to you know issues you know backstage um, around those type of things or whether it's things around like the relationship relationship and things this idea that he's got to that level and got that belt and then things are so bad that you're going to walk away from that position that you know presumably you've essentially you've spent your whole career working towards mm. it, then you know it seems uh it, it it seems very odd but there are 
there is a lot of different um yeah different conflicting elements to it mm-hmm. i mean that thing that's coming out today about the idea that he's going to go back to you know he's going <laughs> to sign for nxt uk just feels no. laugh- laughable to me that's mm-hmm. you know if if that turns out to be the case that has got to be the most bizarre story move between promotions that i can even remember in my you know you know in immediate lifetime or anything like that because the idea that he's yeah he's going to go from being like the top guy in in new japan albeit a you know less successful new japan or a less compelling new japan that it's that it's been for a a couple of years and come back and be rubbing shoulders with the fucking gallus boys and things like that (laughs) on on nxt you on nxt uk in front of absolutely nobody like it's you know it's it's hard to believe that that can surely surely happen but mm. i don't know it's uh almost kind of like nothing would surprise me really with uh with this situation because it's it's you know it does seem very very bizarre mm. yeah it, it's it just seems to have escalated incredibly quickly and i think gareth you, you when you brought the point of it's the thing i thought about of like how long has he waited for this kind of an opportunity then to kind of vacate it in the way it was where there wasn't like the kind of retirement or anything else along those lines, which, you know, they would do some sort of like impromptu press conference, but it didn't appear to be anything like that Mm. suggested that there might be something around it. And it's, it's difficult because we don't know there's various things that are kind of there about, you know, personal issues. Then there's the COVID and the, and the quarantine. There's the amount of shows that people are doing, so it feels like they're on one long tour for a lot of the times, and then that gets changed around. Mm. Um, and it's you know to th- look back on New Japan, it 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 just kind of shows what a desperate state they're in, and how quickly these things can fall. Mm. Now I'm not predicting the death of New Japan here, but like in some ways you want to take your big lessons from WCW. It's like yeah, you can have those kind of banner years, and if you think. How long ago was it until they drew 75,000 over two days to go to the Tokyo Dome? What mm. is that, less than two years ago? Mm. We're at a point now where <laughs> you look at the the, the roster, that, that particular roster looks completely frazzled. Mm. You're losing Osprey, who's like a, a big part of the focus and has been a draw in terms of tickets. Like that's something that has to be has to be noted and this appears to be something they've been going for for a really long time. They've, they've eyed him for this role and the epic kind of a card of feud. So for it to kind of end like this, suggests there's something more going on. And I always think back to what um, Alan Farrell said on, PW, on PW Torch when he was talking about New Japan. And I think a lot of this comes down to that business side and it's the amount of shows yeah. to sell a certain amount of tickets and if they, that's what they want to achieve. And they're going to do that by hook or by crook, yeah. which means you fuck your booking up entirely. And you make your roster unhappy because they're having to travel around and do all of all of this stuff and all of these shows. And there's no one really that doing it in front of a series of multi-man tags at a, at a like 300 person Kurukan Hall. It's, it's like a kind of abysmal. I mean, I said a couple of times when they cancelled those Grand Slam shows that I thought thank God for that. That's like somewhat of a blessing in society, but they look completely exhausted. The booking looks completely defunct. We talk a bit, it's about the Q and A about how do you solve these woes? And it's, these are deep problems Hmm. that have kind of come about very, very quickly where like, I, 
I'm not entirely surprised. And the fact that a lot of the US-based wrestlers are effectively just being loaned out. Mm. They're like a a club that's, I don't know, like Monaco, who suddenly it's like, oh shit, we need to kind of offload people who are on perhaps bigger wages than what we're going to have there. And we have to keep them happy. So you're just loaning them out all the time. Mm. Um, it's, it's a mess. In terms of Osprey, one thing I wanted to say was I was surprised you know, and I may it may be inconsequential to the to kind of New Japan, but I'm surprised he wasn't stripped of the Rev Pro title. No, yeah. Apparently, Rev Pro have said he's going to be appearing on a show to to announce whatever is happening next with that. Um, okay, but yeah, I mean, I because like they, they were asked as well. That that's one of the things that that started to cast doubt on this because you know, mm. I, you know, what I say, Voices of Wrestling did their report, and obviously they were you know saying that you know the. There's an injury, but you know whether the, it's as severe as uh, as being said, and whether it's a bit of a cover for for the office was kind of the the story that they were at least uh, hearing from some sources. Um, but then, yeah, obviously Rev Pro um, being very non-committal on Twitter, at least at first, um, about mm. what they were gonna do, kind of gave a little bit more smoke to that fire. Um, but then, yeah, it kind of it has rolled out into a, a deeper deeper story really I believe there was going to be a, I think Voices Report there's going to be a meeting today with uh, with Ghetto and the, and the talent uh, at least the, uh, the gauge I think that's the the overall talent but again you know a lot of uh, a lot of sources are saying there's a it's very much a specific uh, gauging issue although yeah Voices have got other sources saying it's kind of an, an overall issue with the roster it's a, mm. as you said there JP a communication issue um, it's again frustration with you know the you know the situation with COVID and the, the quarantining and yeah, like I say, I've even you know been talk uh, as Lanza put on the uh, the voices voices of wrestling Patreon of a potential you know mutiny coming uh, from the the wrestlers, as particularly the uh, the flyers being frustrated with the uh, the quarantine and the bubbles and thinking they can go home and then find it out. And I think that was uh, you know part of what we've you know heard from from others as well with this Osprey story that you know there was maybe something to that that he thought he could go home and rest, go home and you know get himself a you know as far like we all have got a COVID jab and you know you know be able to be at home for a while and then find out that no actually you've got to stay in japan and you've got to you know we've got more we've got more tours coming up and maybe that was the uh the straw that broke the camel's back it seems to be for for many other members of the of the roster but mm. yeah it's like we're new japan right now it's you know when it rains it it pours really um like it's it is this this issue of you know everything that bad that could happen this is, is happening you know the the booking's gone off the rails you know the as far as like you know obviously covid is has caused a lot of issues as well but you know attendance is down general interest is down you know the 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 shows are as unappealing as they've you know been in at least this modern ghetto history and those yeah again the osprey as you both said you know whatever you think about him and as we've said you know we you two gave Gareth gave five stars to you know so that Shingo match and you came close mm. to JP and that's in a period where we're very clear about the fact that we're really not interested in anything else New Japan have got to offer. My God, you take Osprey out of that mix and that I mean, it looks drab, like it looks extremely drab. Oh, cool, yeah. Is mm. you know, Tanahashi and Naito are they going to go back for the belt again? As so are they just going to strap up Okada again? You know. It, it, there's nothing inspiring there, is there? It's just, yeah, you take... Yeah. That, that was the one positive I think you could say about this year was, you know, at least the Osprey matches, you know, I wasn't particularly sold on the character myself, but the matches themselves were the one thing you hear positive things about. But yeah, you take that away and good Lord, is that this a 
really just drab looking promotion going forward in 2021 and i mean one of the things that we talked about you know last night obviously on the on, on the q a show um on the, on, on the patreon as well was just the idea of just needing to inject that something new and something a bit fresher and things and like in theory the, the whole osprey title run was supposed to be that wasn't it that elevation of him to that top level and putting on mm. some different matches at the top of the card and just shaking things up a bit obviously you know again we talked about the staleness of a lot of the stables and things that they've got there and then obviously you know putting building a, a new one around osprey whether it's you know whether it's good or bad in terms of the people that are in there it was still something new and something something fresh as well and you kind of yeah you take that out of the mix and you know as we you know we talk talked about there where you're looking to plug the gap and and how you do it and mm. you know short of you know i think obviously we talked about like the idea of shingo coming through and you know actually just we'd love you know, putting the putting the putting the rocket behind shingo a bit more beyond that at the top of the card though everybody who's been yeah. there has been there they've had title um, runs they've had lengthy title runs they've all faced each other so many times in the last two three years you know with domes and g1s and things like that and it's and it, and it is that 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 staleness and you know even when you look there and you talk about the volume of shows that they're trying to to run and then when they're running these all these corican shows and then you, you you know obviously historically Obviously, these these shows would always be your eight man tags and your six man tags and things like that. There'd be, there'd, there'd be something in there of interest alongside those, or a feeling that they're building towards something. Now you just look at these shows that they're that they're running at Corican, and it's just it's just just feels like these random three people against these random three people, and it's just yeah. like a varying rotation on the same mix of people that have now been doing that for for quite a quite a few years now and you know if you and if you're a if you're a punter mm. like why what are they giving you there that that makes you come and want to like part with your part with your money and you know you talk about all these different factors Benno. it's all like it's all interrelated it's almost like you know it's like you know like dominoes like knocking dominoes over isn't it you know, you know you know the booking goes the talent goes the crowds go etc it's all these different factors and it's just like you knock a few over and then suddenly it's like running away from it. And before you know, it's, you know, it's completely out of your control. And, you know, we talked about that, you know, a couple of months ago about this idea that you can get away with it. If there's like a, a couple of, you know, for six months between bad decisions or something like that or yeah. bad situations, but when they're coming, like it almost feels like on a monthly basis, you're just like eating away at the, at the trust and the credibility and the desire to watch and things like that. And it just feels like they've just got things just chipping away at them from from all angles here. And it's it's a it feels like a tough road back for for New Japan currently. It's going to be a it's going you know it's not tweaking a couple of things. There's 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 whole scale you know evolution there really that needs to take place, mm -hmm. and you can't evolve something overnight, can you? No. Yeah. Oh, it's, mm. it's everything mm. we're talking like we brought in some of the kind of like from a booking perspective it's like well you need to all of the stables every single stable they have is stale yeah some of them beyond stale and you've been waiting for stuff to happen for what two three four years in mm. some cases mm. that's ridiculous like really when you think about it like this that kind of it, it's it's an unholy combination where you've got Every title division is pretty much stale. Um, they've done things to kind of openly hurt their world title and just in 
terms of doing little things that would just annoy your fan base more than anything else. They've had a series of unsuccessful champions. They tried to push someone in evil who was just an abject failure. Mm. Like really, you would describe it as that now. Business wasn't good. Matches were awful. Mm. They sacrificed their quality control for for a lot of this as well. And that was their, that was their USP. That was their unique selling point. They have the best matches in the world. Absolutely. Push comes to shove, everything else. We put on the best wrestling in the world when it matters in the big matches. And I don't know if these guys are going to be able to do it because they've run them into the ground Mm. and they didn't rotate a lot of them. They left them there and they didn't rotate in people and take kind of little necessary risks when they could have put someone, I'm not mad at him, but someone like Taichi further up the card they could have done that it would have been a, a fresh body in there it would have been something different you know there's various little things they could have done they don't have the ic title which would be the natural elevation point for a lot of these wrestlers as well and it's a stale roster mm. the junior division is non-existent mm. so like every one of these areas needs refreshing which would suggest the booking needs refreshing but there's also an idea that the corporate side needs to take a a, a, a um a kind of a lesson from this as well about the the amount of shows there because it's it's not going to do them any favors they're not going to hit those limits and it's just going to get to a point i mean ian's put in the chat they do 280 currican today mm. guess what why bother mm. really is it worth having the show is it worth stretching things like, out for that night you know like yeah like mark says is it, is it literally you know this happened you know always my go-to example this happened with like peak ring of honor you know that they had a bit of success and it was like oh cool let's do more shows and you know what all the more shows did was diluted the quality and burned out the booker because like i tell you what like if there's anyone who looks like a burned out booker right now in the world it's ghetto and like these if you had a booking hall of fame in fact not even a hall of fame you just said to me who's the best booker of all time at this point i think i'd say ghetto i genuinely would But like, and I know this Osprey stuff's not because of him, and you know the roster unrest, and and some of that other stuff isn't because of him. And we're coming out of a you know a COVID period, so I want to be a little bit sympathetic. But I just look at that, you know, just as an overall, you know, looking at the new Jaren product. And I I said it yesterday, and I'll say it again. I think maybe he needs to go. <laughs> like, I, I don't know, you know, that might that might feel strong because you know the obvious follow up question is, well, who'd you replace him with, and you know maybe you want to be cautious about making a, a big decision like that but it just screams of a company right now that, that needs new ideas and as you just touched on if your new idea is evil at the top then you know <laughs> that's not a good new idea i mean i suppose you can give them credit for probably being the one wanting to push osprey through to the top but you know the creative with that hasn't been great you know at all you know the the, the b priestly angle Osprey particularly being miscast, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, is not is is not been for me either. But you know, goes deeper than that. The Kota Ibushi title run, you know, what the fuck happened yeah. there? That was a mess. The last couple of Wrestle Kingdoms have been mm-hmm. weird, you know, with four ways and icy title mergers with the the title mm-hmm. and all. He just seems he seems out of ideas to me. I mean, it could just be he's holding back oh, yeah. because you know we have been in COVID times and obviously once the back to crowds and stuff okay let's let's put our best foot forward with the good ideas but like yeah him being burnt out I think is feels like a, a big factor in this right now obviously yeah the, the business side of things and Harold Mage being mm. gotten rid of and like I say the people who are in charge now just wanting to run show 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 and, and make the money back um, and you know book, 
book the fucking dome in the middle of fucking May and June. You know what I mean? Like that. That's fucking dumb too. Like Garrett said, it's a lot mm-hmm. of like small wounds, I suppose, that are, that are adding up to a to a greater total. But as far as freshening up the product goes, I don't know. Maybe is that too dramatic? I can't think of a, a a bigger thing you can do really to to maybe try and salvage this at this point. What what is he booking though currently as well? Like mm-hmm. you know, separate yeah. to the Osprey thing. What even is what even is going on? Like, if you go like, what what, what have New that's Japan got going on that got going on? That's areas of interest outside yeah. of the Osprey stuff. Literally, the only thing that's springing to mind, and correct me if I'm wrong, anyone is just them fucking iron fingers. Is uh, pretty <laughs> yeah, much. Go, yeah. it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty much the only other thing of any attempt at any you, you know anything with a bit of build behind it or an attempt to have some substance to it or something like that. Everything else just seems to just be just throw some guys together and have some matches that, that you know, and I think where you talk about their, you know, the, the ROH side of things about like, Oh, let's run more shows. And, you know, essentially they're just getting into that world of where you get away from compelling wrestling and then you get to content yeah. production and then it just becomes yeah. about volume of content. Never, ever results in good quality end product does it it just becomes about churn it just becomes the sausage factory of like just let's get this stuff out because we need to fill this live show we need to make sure that we've got sufficient hours on a network like wwe and things like that where it just becomes about you know churning characters and things out to hit tv quotas and things even you know you strip it right back and you look at like brit rest and things and you look mm-hmm. at progress and it's just been a case of you know quick let's have a show every single week we'll have one in sheffield this week we'll have one in birmingham the week after we'll go back to Camden and then we'll go and run a show and then it just becomes like show 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 and then it's and then you can't you know you can't build compelling um characters and stories in 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 that way it just all just becomes that 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 churn to get the product out and that very much just feels like where New Japan have gone it's you know it's just a case of like okay we need a match to go here okay these three guys from chaos today go against these three guys from LIJ tomorrow it's three Suzuki young guys against three guys from chaos or whatever it's 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 as simple as that it's just like uh, and why because because we need a match to fill that 15 minute slot there kind of thing so mm-hmm. you know and that so it's not even booking in some way it's just like match creation to fill time and space like it's weird that's that's exactly how i was feeling about it one of the thoughts on the notes written is like what's happened to the mid card Mm. there is no mid card do you remember the point when there was like singles matches between wrestlers who weren't perhaps fighting for a title but you put a little feud and a storyline together about why they were there and what they were going to fight for that's all gone Mm -hmm. that is all gone because whatever match that they would normally do for that that could be third or fourth in the top at something like a Dominion. Mm. That's your headliner mm. on like a smaller show mm. because they're obsessed with doing the B shows as much as well, which were there, which is, you know, when you had the Intercontinental title and you've got Tanahashi headlining one show and Nakamura the other, you can get away with that, but you can't when you, you get rid of that. And, you know, one of the other points I was going to say of the bad, like of all the missteps, Jay White, yeah. there was a point you thought, ah, oh, they're going to turn, f-, and they've wasted it. And it's, all of that bullet club stuff is was was so I mean God, it was stale four years ago. <laughs> like it was stale at the point when AJ Styles had left. Mm-hmm. Um and and tell us when Batman yelled. <laughs> They're starting again. And AW. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and they're doing that, but we've never had any resolution to a 
Kenta evil Jay White storyline. It's been about a year, mm. like of these three guys, and you don't really know who is in charge of it, but we're just never going to reference it, and that kind of stuff plays on it. Mm. You know, there's then there's the bad fortune of losing someone like a Hiromu for that length of yeah. time, which yeah. does make a massive difference as well. But and 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 that's unlucky. But at the same time you should be prepared for that happening given you're running a fucking wrestling company. And it's a slight hazard hazard of the job that some people might get injured from time to time, mm. but it's not like they put an effort in any of the juniors. Mm. So like, where would they have gone to there anyway? If Hiromu was there, mm. who were going to be the juniors he was up against? Mm. Cause you don't really have any faith in that. So it, it's, it does feel like all a lot of chickens have kind of come home to roost mm. and they've kind of forgotten about what would, what made them a hot and popular promotion for a really long time. Mm. And they just seem to have gotten rid of all of that. Mm. And now fundamentally, who do you go to? You probably go to the booker, but I think then whoever they get in, they need to look at also, I think their Japanese roster. Mm. And, and I've said this before, they might have to look at trying to pinch a few names. Mm. Like that's not the dumb thing, but I think it needs that kind of freshening up as well. Yeah. That, that native roster, you've kind of draw like kind of drilled those headliners into the ground and the other people there like a Sonada, you can't do anything with them now at this point because mm. the, the kind of, and then who is it after that? A lot of them aren't young. Mm. It's not like there's there's an Okada in his mid twenties who you're expecting to come in and take over the world. I mean, I really like some of those young lions, mm. but like at this point, you're looking at Shota Umino, thinking this run you're going to have in Rev Pro is going to be very interesting because it's not beyond the realms of possibility you're going to go back in and be pushed to the moon. Mm. I, I just don't, you know, the, the couple of comments in the chat kind of saying, you know, yeah, you know, you, you know, the likes of Show, who's they've done nothing yeah. with, you know, in the last year since he since he wrestled Shingo. There are there are young talent there that you could do more with. I mean, you know, I I'll give some sympathy, like you said, to the fact that that obviously I think Hiroma was big in their plans, but you know that that has obviously gone backwards too. And yeah, there's just. It needs something dramatic. Even even that even that though, Benno, like when Hiromu came back, there was a swell of, you know, positivity and popularity yeah. around him. And then and then the expectation was probably they're gonna move him up now, kind of thing. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna freshen things up. And he went straight back into the um the junior division and it didn't look like he was moving out of there anytime soon. Which which is, you know, it's 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 the new Japan way that it's it's you know. There's, you've got to be patient and things like that sometimes to to filter through. But equally, at that time where his popularity, where it seemed to be, it was and, and that need for a freshness at the top of the card, it was begging for it, yeah. begging for it to for, for him to go, you know, to to go into the heavyweight division, and it just it just didn't even remotely seem on there on the, on the cards at all. Ghetto's like, yes, yeah, sounds in two years, you know, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he's yeah. got his plan and he's thinking. And is obviously the way he books is an absolute net positive for for New Japan over these last years. But talk about a time when yeah, you could have called called that audible. Um, but you know, like like Mark said in the chat, and maybe yeah, the, the bigger blame does lie with that, the management issues. You know, what he said there, no interaction with the Japanese promotions, too many shows, forcing you know one card of big shows into three separate shows, and yeah, he said there, you maybe changing the book and means nothing if the management doesn't change maybe another mm. booker just ends up you know inherits all of those mm. same problems again and you know yeah i could add to that as well you know you add in the you know the refusal to to do 
decent business with AEW until now. You know, that could have yeah. been something that was in the in the in the makings a while ago now. Maybe that'll still thrashing up things up. Maybe if that you know forbidden door stays open and you know the flights start being available properly um from America to Japan and the J- J- Japan the situation calms down, maybe some of those lads going in the opposite direction can make things a bit more interesting. But I think it says everything that, you know, in the last few months what's the what's the thing I've been most interested in to do with New Japan and it's been Yuji Nagata coming over to, to Dynamite and it's been you know a couple of the things with Tom Lawler they've been doing on Strong it's, yeah. that's the that's the state of New Mate, Japan right now if I can throw in don't sleep on Fred Rosser versus Hikaleo <laughs> in a, in a no disqualification match where they're fighting in the back of a van mm. like I'm complete I am more sold on Strong mm. like by quite some distance mm. than actual New Japan mm. you know which is ridiculous when you think about it but yeah Mm. it's a it's a real it's it's a problem and i think there's there's also partly some of the issues they would have had is there's kind of an arrogance Mm. whereby this booking method has worked so many times before so therefore it will work again and you can see it collapsing under the strain of that if you haven't got like Sounds a bit like Arsenal, mate, to be honest. I was just thinking that. It's like going to Mark's point there, you know? Yeah, Arsenal knows what he's doing. Keep Arsenal around. Keep, keep. And, then, and then he goes and actually things don't really improve that much anyway because actually Should the is the problem. <laughs> turning up at a, a dome with Kidani out hashtags <laughs> and all this. Like, just <laughs> going on this and having an argument with Gareth going, go, get out, he's no good. And I go, well, you know, he's turning things around ever slightly. I'm trying to put together a like, good defence like it's Mikel Arteta trying to like, justify it. Because he's, Legend. You know, if it, yeah. Which they actually were one of the most improved teams since the turn of the year. So, oh, there you go. There then. we go. I'll throw that in there. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fair analogy though as well because of, yeah. you know, when you, when you look at, if you did change the booker, then... Who, what is there that anybody could do? What, like, what are you going to do with Naito now? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do with like Ibushi now and things like that? They, they've all faced each other so yeah. many times. Ta- what, what, what fresh thing, like, other than you know, we talked last, last night about like new factions or you know, new tag teams or things like that to try and say, okay, we're going to make a concerted effort to actually have a tag division and do we move some of these guys or shuffle them around a bit more. But you've, you've almost just end up with this block of guys at the, at the top that kind of have to be at the top. But mm. then there's nothing fresh or new to do with them. And it doesn't look like there's necessarily the talent underneath that for them guys to be used to elevate mm-hmm. three three or four people you know through the system e- either that like uh, mm-hmm. it, just, it just seems i don't know it it, it seems like a, a, a real conundrum to me as uh, as what you can even mm-hmm. do with those to to generate an element of interest at the top of top of the card because they feel like they've been flogged to death mm-hmm. Suddenly it makes a whole lot more sense why Osprey wants to go to NXT UK, doesn't it? You know, there you go. Put him in the capable hands of Jim Smallman. He'll be, uh, he'll be much better off. Uh, he'll, be getting taped, he'll be getting taped to a chair by Jimmy Havoc within six months. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, we don't need that comeback. Um, I was in the way. There'll be, there'll be some proud... I was thinking about him. There'll be some proud tweet, tweet of like first... 
first UK IWGP champion, mm. first like uh, but first time he've held it along with the Heritage Cup, mm. like you know, two great prizes in <laughs> wrestling. Oh Christ! Uh, well, speaking of uh, NXT UK, there's been uh, been rumor this week of uh, potential potential um, cuts coming their direction. Um, Hate to see it. Hate to see it. <laughs> apparently, it's not going to be Walter. I mean, you can work that out with how long they've left the uh, the NXT UK title. Fuck. Them. And apparently, Mustache Mountain and Kaylee Ray are safe as well. But yeah, there's been uh, talk of that, and the, the reason it's coming out is uh, WWE have been in a uh, cost cutting mode uh, once again. Apparently, they got to got to save uh, got to save some money. You know. In, uh, in another record profit year um, obviously some on the list mm. uh, you know it was basically an NXT focused uh, uh, culling this time and some of the names are going to stand up more than others you know among the names that I think are probably notable uh, Alexander Wolf, uh, WXW favourite uh, <laughs> The Axeman uh, Axel Tisha uh, Sh- um, J- I was going to say uh, Sk- Skylar Story there I don't know if you, you know her as a name but uh, yeah uh, Jessamine Duke um, is in there who I'd forgotten mm. was even in the in the WWE system uh, referee uh, Jake Clemens was released and more high profile than that uh, referee uh, Drake Wertz uh, I think that's how you pronounce it or if it's just maybe it's just West yeah. because that is what that man is um, got released and then yeah later on in the week uh, Velveteen Dream um, got released as well majority of this news by the way, should get credit. Uh, broken by uh, by Sean Rassap. When I talk about Mark Jernos, I'm never talking about him. Does uh, does good work over there, <laughs> but uh, a fightful. Um, but yeah, there's a uh, yeah. Plenty to uh, to sink your teeth into there, like I say, uh, there, JP. A couple of those names are probably yep. more notable than the others, but yeah, uh, apparently uh, I saw an interview with Alexander Wolf come out, and he did he did make the comments, and the uh, the Vincels did jump on him for saying, yeah, there's never a never a situation really where uh, a company making as much as money as WWE really needs to uh, to cost cut. But I think what gets less out of that headline is he was pretty clear that well, yeah, it was. I think that was just a bullshit reason I was given because really it was just they didn't have anything to do with me um yeah which is the real reason why they uh, got rid of some of these people um as well as the controversial reasons they uh, got rid of some of the others yeah and there will be and i think for someone like him this is actually a better opportunity mm. for him to kind of be he doesn't mean anything in wwe mm. whereas if he goes out on the indies even if he turns up in some of the like let's say term an impact or a ring of honor or anything like that he would mean a lot more. Mm. And I think he would definitely add something to it. Like I was never like when he'd come out of WXW and people would lose their shit and then I'd watch the match and I'd go, really? Like, mm. what am I missing? I'm oh, just completely mate. missing something alongside. That last carrot. I was like stood there at the top looking at, looking at Will, looking at Alan Cheapshot as the entirety of the room lost their minds. For the second year in a row, it wasn't even that good a surprise. It already happened once. Like, oh yeah, he, Axel's back. It's like, oh yeah, cool. Uh, the dude yeah. who was insanity is back. Well, okay. German legends apparently um, obviously goes back long with the WXW I do, I do know why the Germans like him but it wasn't that divide between the Germans losing their minds and all of the English just going huh? okay uh, <laughs> it was just like yeah I, I mean I, I saw it that first time and I was like mm. alright great um, I don't think I'm at all excited about it mm. so I think for him I think there's other you know there'll be other wrestlers on there who we don't know too much about where mm. there are places for them to go and work mm. so and we brought up this point about this as well, which I know some people really struggle with the concepts that, like, if they lose their job in WWE, it's not life over for them. There are places for them to be able to go to. There, are now. there is a, there is, there's a ring of honour and there's an impact where they have, like, kind of very much, you know, 
putting a heavy investment into into women rosters as well. Um, there is places around when the UK scene opens up for someone like Alexander the Wolf wanted to do a few shots over here, then then that's there. But that all entirely depends on what the COVID situation would be, whether or not it'd be worthwhile him staying in the States. Um, those kind of like uh, the Jessamine Duke one I thought was ridiculous given they never did a four horsewomen versus four horsewomen thing because she could have eaten the pin. No, there wouldn't have been an expectancy, but it just would have been an obvious kind of match to do. And it's just dumb on mm. their part. They never did that. The Drake Verts one, I think the thing that I kind of want to say, and I've been saying it comes somewhat in jest on the daily updates when I write it in, he's been radicalised by this QAnon mm. fucking shite. Mm. Yeah. Um, like he's been absolutely radicalized. This is no different to people being brainwashed, frankly, and being joining like uh, ter- various terrorist organizations around the world, mm. or fucking Boko Haram or Al Qaeda. Mm. There's a brainwashing process that goes on here, and that has happened to him. Mm. And it's, I'd, I, I mean, I did read some of the transcripts he did with one of the kind of like Christian radio stations. And it was, it was kind of haunting as much as anything else. Cause here's a bloke who's basically replaced all of the various addictions he's had throughout his life with an addiction to God, which is something that actually happens quite often where you find people, that's how people become fundamentalists. And that's where you get this kind of, and then he's fallen down a Q kind of Trumpian far right wing. I imagine he's got Newsmax, OAN and a bit of Fox News if he fancies watching some left wing news from time to time on as well. And if you surround yourself around that stuff, that is going to happen. Mm. I'm also assuming as well, he's not a fucking brain surgeon. He's a wrestling referee. He used to do death matches. So like <laughs> there's always that as well. That is an but issue. he is in like, this is really problematic because there was an insurrection on January 6th, which I know the Republican Party and and people on the right like to pretend doesn't actually exist anymore. That's going to happen again. And that fucker will be at the front of the queue. And there should be no surprise when that happens because they believe he believes a pack of lies. Like, honestly, for him, it's just like he he says a verb, an adjective and the phrase child sex trafficking. He just seems to roll that shit off all the time which we brought up in the pre-show chat anyone who mentions it that much you're looking at them of like right you doth protest too much don't you mm. you're going on about this a hell of a lot he's in a bad fucking way and i can't see this getting any better and he's someone who he needs to be de-radicalized but that goes for kind of large swathes of people throughout the u.s and if you want someone to blame blame Donald fucking Trump because his line of bullshit has created this nonsense where he's the Messiah stopping Hillary Clinton from child sex trafficking rings. Well, eight channels, some bloke posting something, eight channels, the answers. If you believe that stuff, get a fucking grip. It's clearly bollocks. Like most of this conspiracy nonsense, you can't explain chaos away in the world. All right. So no easy fucking excuse with some lad on eight chan. He's going to do it as well. Anyway, I don't know where I've gone with it. Just a rant about that kind of conspiratorial no. bullshit that exists in the world. And he's front and centre of it. I almost feel bad for and him. it's toxic. But I, but I don't because of, you know, all the things you just said. But, like, you know, we came, came into the company, like, oh, all the goodwill in the world. You know, it's like, oh, you know, again, the, the joke gets made about me being a deathmatch guy. I was not a Drake Younger fan at any point in my life. 
but it was always it was always an interesting note was it? it was like oh my like drake younger the the deathmatch guys got signed by wwe to be a referee and then he got the job and every account you ever heard about him was how likable he was what a nice guy he was you know kevin kevin owens is having on the uh the kevin steen show all the time which i think you know gave him a a good rep as well but just generally the the nice things everyone had to say for him and it was it was a nice story you know not many happen in wwe but someone like that getting a full-time job maybe not as a wrestler because he wasn't even like he wasn't that good a wrestler that, that he could have ever gotten it anyway but as a referee and then doing a job so well that he became head referee and you know back when you, know, you might remember this a few years ago nxt was actually a promotion we all liked and followed mm-hmm. you know he was kind of you know he's part of the aesthetic of the promotion and part of you know the, the personality of the promotion was mm-hmm. was him too and then yeah like for him to go out like like this is just it's just i can't see it any other way than than sad you know dangerous you know as you say jp with some of this shit he's spouting and worrying when you see those clips of him you know at school board meetings or whatever you know literally if people haven't seen him literally busting into tears about how wearing masks to either either be at home in london you know wearing wearing masks is a is great for child sex traffickers because you can't see the expression on the kids faces so they can get stolen it's like fairy tale stuff and you know i don't agree with a lot of decisions that we make but fuck me i would have got rid of him you know a few months ago not mm. now like he's not worth the fucking trouble is he um well this, this is one of those this is one of those though where there's a lot of wwe releases and then you, you know different circumstances and stuff but you look at him and and you just wonder like is he more dangerous within the system or is he more dangerous or more of a danger to, to others or even to himself outside of the system as as well and he's someone who you, you kind of like look at and and you wonder from that almost like i don't know radicalized standpoint whether or not there's there's I don't know. There's almost like more of a duty of care to somebody like this necessarily yeah. than, than 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 other people, and it's and it being, you know, we, we've talked in the past about release, you know, wrestlers getting released and things like that. And to me, it's just part and parcel of of, of the job. You sign back, sign to WWE. You know that there's a, you know, there's a. 80% chance you're probably getting released. It might be within one year. It might be within five years or something like that. It's just, mm. it's just part of the job. It's just the way it goes. You know, it's pe- people come in, people get, you know, shoved out and they get replaced. And it's, and it's just, yeah, it's, 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 it's the way that things work. But I think for something like this, this is one of those where you maybe like do question them a bit more and should they be saying, actually, yeah, we need to like, what what have they done for this guy? Mate? Have they yeah. tried to get a grip of him in some way? Have they tried to help him, or, or you know, who, who knows? Maybe they have. Maybe you know. Maybe they it haven't. Seems well liked enough this- that you know because they dragged the feet, didn't they? before getting rid of him, like there's definitely a fondness for him because otherwise, like anyone else would be gone by now, wouldn't they? So you'd like to think they've at least tried. If he had a substance abuse problem, they'd be sending him off to rehab. Hmm. I look at this as being kind of identical to that. Hmm. Like there is a point where like effectively for all intents and purposes he's he's having he's he's having a breakdown mm, he's yeah. having a complete in public mental view. breakdown in public yeah. view and it's horrible it's awful and the stuff he's saying is obviously complete shite like kind of like do away with that if you're talking about someone who people are going his behavior is completely changed from where it was a couple of years ago mm. and not in a positive way mm. you can't have him around the workplace mm. for one you can't just go well he has his political views and then that's the end of it it's like no these kind of political the kind of things that he is saying are bullshit 
for one. Mm. Like you can't just go around telling loads and loads of lies and go free speech. Nah, fuck off. Kiddie views that stuff. Like that's like this is the problem. It's not about like kind of political thought being kind of like constrained on here. It's active lies, and people have responded to it. And again, I come back to that insurrection stuff because that was the vibe. That was a whole QAnon thing. And five people died that day, which was more than the entirety of the entire Black Lives Matter protesters. Do the people who believe this stuff, like, on, they believe it to a frightening degree. Mm-hmm. And what's to stop him from, and I don't want to say I think this is going to happen, but imagine he turns up to one of these, like, Florida school board hearings in person. Mm-hmm. How might he act? What might he do? And just remember the countries in and how much they love a fucking shooter. And I'll just throw that out. Like that kind of stuff, like it's not beyond the realms of possibility. I'm not saying he's he's gonna do something like that, but it's that fucking it like it that's the kind of level of seriousness it is. So when Gareth says about it, is it just more dangerous than being out of the system? I kind of think it is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's you know, it's worrying. Um, you know, again, he's already looking for indie work. He's already, you know, apparently he's doing a, a tribute show for the victims of child sex trafficking with what Loki and Matt Morgan on. Um, yeah. Not going away. Bikers against child sex sex trafficking. Yeah, he's not quiet. Don't want to get away. confused with the bikers who are for child sex trafficking, which is another <laughs> successful promotion that runs the same area. <laughs> well, speaking of which, Velveteen Dream got released as well. Um, yeah, that, that's one. That's one where there's no, there's no like turn around and go, oh well, yeah, cool, yeah, you know, obviously, yeah, but maybe WWE could have done more for them. Fuck me, why did it take them that long to get rid of that cunt? Like <laughs> the, the evidence has been there for, for everyone to see this entire time. I know we. Put out a shitty statement today where he, he finally denied it and said something about how oh I was I, I was protecting my character that's why I've not denied it until until this point um, but you know the allegations are out there and the, the you know there was voice clips and all kinds it was clearly him um, yep. you know as far as uh, chatting up multiple people, people. And, yeah multiple underage people through uh, Instagram DMs he was yeah. uh, he was chatting to yeah good riddance to that comp but sounds like there's more stuff as well David Bixenspan has uh, been alluding to to more stories that that may well come out about him in the uh, in the coming days too. Not a popular man backstage at NXT, and yeah, mm-hmm. I'd say right about time for um, for him to be gone. If uh, if not, actually, extremely late. Yeah, like you say, the the concern with that one is really how long it's taken to yeah. to, to to happen. Because where you know you talk about different circumstances, and you're talking about like you know duty of care and things like that actually this is the flip side this you know this is like the mm. duty of care to other individuals who yeah. might be coming into into interaction with this with with this guy and with the um with the things that he was accused of and being so like a lot of evidence or more evidence than you than, than you often get for this type of thing thing as well the fact that they were just prepared to let it hang there in the background not comment on it just like not have him on tv and things like that that's when you then just like question them even more that it you know it takes uh, takes this length of time you know it's obviously one of them where you're delighted that this um that is a uh, Everything's sort of like coming to roost, and he's finally, um, you know, finally losing his losing his job on 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 the back of it. But it does does feel a, a little bit too late um, from from that point of view. And then when you you know you you look at that statement today and some of the things that he's trying to suggest, and then people are still even, you know, producing evidence of you know 
communications that he's made and things like that that just go against what he's even you know he's trying trying to be his defense today is just proven mm-hmm. to just be like complete bollocks as well as well and you, you just think oh god well it's, let's just hope he's is one of these um one of these people who more you know serious um mm-hmm. um you know aspects from a police standpoint and things like that you know come to the come to the fore now and you know something's you know, done about him on a on a much more legal level, rather than again a guy like this just been now just sort of like thrown out to the, there to the world where he can probably fly under the radar a little bit more potentially as potentially as well. You know, you just you just hope that there's de- you know some mm. definitive follow up on the back of it. Definitely, definitely. Um, and yeah, I think um, you know, and we're all glad it's happened. But you know, I would also say you know, he's it's. It's. I'm not going to say it's a shame. I think that's too strong. But like you know, he's 25. He was over as fuck at one point in NXT, doing genuinely you know an interesting character that you know that that that, that hadn't really been done um, in a few years in wrestling. Had all of his support and just by by being a shitty human being has fucked it all away. Um, but I don't know. I, I just I wonder like JP. Like, do you think that that is why he got sacked? Like I. I feel like if they were going to sack him for that, it would have been a while ago. I, I wonder if there's smoke to this fire with you know rumors of a of other bust ups, um, you know, backstage and rumors of you know other, you know, there's been all that stuff, hasn't there? Where he he comes back for TV for Fuck a week and then and then he's gone again and then he's in a car crash and then this happens and then that happens. I think there's there's going to be yeah. more layers to this that comes out over time. I think they're the reasons they got rid of him. I think it's stuff that happens at the performance center. Mm. I think it's stuff that happens at work, if you can mm. think of it that way. Mm. And I think to a degree, they were happy to kind of, kind of live in a, well, let's say ignorance is bliss with a lot of things that they do where they, they go, well, there isn't like, like kind of this hard proof and we'll do an investigation and then it kind of disappears into the ether as we've seen with a lot of these things, there's not much in the way of, of like kind of investing. You never get the impression as much in the way of this, which considering they're a publicly traded company and these things kind of reflect on them, you would imagine you would do something about this. Mm. If this was happening at a, a football club, mm. they'd be doing something about this. You'd like to think. Um, but you know, not all football clubs do that as we've seen that with, you know, with various players who've, who've come back. But, in this case, it's it's like, yeah, 25. There's a lot of this kind of, you don't want to say things like too much too soon because it doesn't justify any of the behaviour. There's no justification for, for really any of it. But if you're asking why they got rid, it's not the stuff that we're all bothered by. Mm. It's all the other stuff to do with how he got on with his co-workers. Mm. I think that's it. I wonder, and you know, we, we joked about it at the top, but like these NXT UK rumors, you know, be interesting to see who, who does get yeah. sacked and, and who doesn't. Um, if that happens, um, you know, because there's definitely names we can all reel off <laughs> on that NXT Europe yeah. UK roster who've got similar, uh, if not worse, allegations than a than Velveteen Dream and a, and are still employed. So, um, yeah, it's probably and- probably a mistake to, to to say this is a moral decision. Yeah, I I just can't think of it being a moral decision. I think this is them kind of like in some ways they're more or less viewing this as a way of culling some fat and mm. they finally got around to doing it. I mean, was it the story about one of the referees went because they didn't want Drake Verts to feel like he was being singled out, <laughs> even though they had basically good grounds to mm-hmm. let him go. Mm. They wanted to be like that. I don't know about the disciplinary process, but wasn't there days that he hadn't turned up to work and stuff like that. So he mm. appeared at these 
bawling his Walked eyes out. out of a Black Lives Matter meeting where Triple H, of all people, was giving a rah-rah <laughs> speech. <laughs> yeah, probably should have been sacked on the spot there, shouldn't he? Uh, but yeah, be interesting to see if yeah more, more detail um, comes out in the, the coming days the- uh, surrounding it all. I would just say with the NXT UK releases, if if they happen as well, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, one of the things we'll probably end up talking about if this happens, and you never know this, although the NXT releases were kind of being spoken about and then didn't happen for a, for a few weeks after mm-hmm. the sort of main roster stuff. So there's a possibility these things could just be being staggered out. That makes a massive change to a lot of the British independency mm-hmm. over the summer. And I'm not like... Trust me, there's the whole, you'd go into individuals and how they're affected by it, but it just makes you wonder if they will be doing anything about that, How what the overall effect is. There's like a real ripple effects with it, I think, with with the releases in NXT UK, yeah. if they happen, well, which it. they haven't yet. For all we'd say negative about NXT UK, you know, one thing I will always say, and I think you have to temper this because people will be like, oh, it's a, it's a job for some people. Well, it's a job for what, 20 people, 30 people. Um, but it still yeah. is, you know, realistic. It is still, you know, a full-time wage for those people. Uh, part of me wonders, like, how much do we do even saving if you get rid of some of those names? What are they all on? Like 10, 10 15 grand a year? Oh, does, yeah. does it really affect WWE to save 100 grand, Garrett? Yeah, yeah it's a, it, the thing is, though, as well, Ben, you're saying there are numbers. I, I had a quick look there, and there's there's nearly 50 wrestlers who are that? like okay. assigned to the NXT UK Jeez. roster. Which, if you think that, I think it was something like 46, you know, with, mm. when you added up the, 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 the men and the women. There's only 52 hours of TV a year. So that means, you know, if you if you divide the number of talent by the amount of um, TV hours that they've got to, to split beneath them, you, your chances of getting any substantial time on TV in a calendar year is absolutely, you, you know, minimal, really, when you, when you break it down like that. I mean, I think I'd just be more... In, you know, I'd, I'd be looking at it as as well along the lines of, you know, the length of time that certain people have been contracted and contract status. I wonder where certain things are around contracts coming up to an end and things like that. And you might see that situation of, yeah, it might be more like a contract not getting renewed in the same way that you've seen with um, with Alexander Wolf as um, as opposed to it being outright, um, you know, just people getting sacked mid contract and things like that. But um, Again, even still, when you look at that and you look at the volume of people on the roster, there is too many people for the amount of TV that they're able to um, produce and, and 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 put out there. And as a cost base, it's not going to like save a load of you know it's it's not going to save a load of money if they suddenly like let go of ten people who are earning you know say conservatively say like 20 grand or something like that it's you know it's a drop in drop in the ocean for 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 wwe from from that point of view but all they'll be bothered about is probably trying to just freshen things up and just create a bit of space Mm. and some of these guys are people who they've had in the system they've had an opportunity they've done nothing and okay well let's just you know let's just make a bit of space for us to to sign other people and bring them through and see if we've got a, a star in the midst of those because clearly they know that there's you know, forty percent probably of that roster, they're never going to make WWE any money. They're just somebody mm-hmm. who's there, just filling a locker at a training centre. That you know, that locker can go to somebody else, and mm-hmm. you know, I think that's probably and preventing other companies from using them. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's 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 just holding them there, and then the the independent scene. You know, if WWE was smart about it, there's certain people there who 
in essence have no value to NXT UK from a TV product standpoint that if they now drop them back into the Indies now these young guys the ones who do look like they have got a bit of uh, promise who've got nobody more experienced to work with suddenly there if they're going out and they can go and have matches with six to eight people who've been in that you know who are more experienced wrestlers who've been in that NXT UK system it's just going to help kick on them lads as well so it just means that there's an improved pool of British talent for them to go right we'll have you you can come and you can take that guy's locker now in six months time or something like that because mm-hmm. you've, you've been you've been working there so it's 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 a way of just helping re helping develop and replenish the the, the guys who are a sap below that too really so mm-hmm. um you know it's it feels like it's it will be a it'll be a win for the independent scene if there are a, a few more recognizable faces that are dropped in there to the system but you know there is that part of you that thinks well yeah actually i hope it's a clean out of these guys who we know they've got sat there on their roster who've got negative allegations against them and in which case yeah you do you, you, you want them to be out and you just want them to be gone you know you don't want them fucking Prop, um, cropping up on the independent scene and muddying, um, muddying the waters even more, and mm-hmm. you know, bringing that yeah, negativity into to some of these promotions. Who, as we've seen, will probably book them and give them a you know, given half the chance, will oh, totally. put these people on the, on the, on the cards. Um, just an update as well. Uh, Voices of Wrestling have just uh, just put up uh, that there's a update on Osprey to NXT UK, and that their sources are telling them that yeah, maybe what Fumi Saito has said on uh, on the Pacific Rim podcast about Osprey going to NXT UK might be, um, and it's not just him that believes it, but between him and the older people in in New Japan who think he might go to NXT UK, it's believed to be maybe a misreading of uh, what exactly NXT UK is. Uh, I think I thought as they, they believe he's headed to. You know, he could well be headed to a WWE, or he, you know, they're putting two and two together because he's, you know, he's homesick and you know all of the other issues. But yeah, as far as that goes, they have, they have, you know, they've they've put in their reports. Some of their sources do genuinely believe that that he's headed to NXT UK. But yeah, they are getting some uh, otherwise uh, information there as well. Um, although yeah, overall, it, I think again we can all look at that and go, is it realistic? Really, is Osprey is, it, is Osprey really going to take a, a deal with a with an NXT UK when he? When he, when he could, no, no matter how homesick he is, you know, even NXT or, you know, AW, the, the big money on the table there, um, is the possibility. And yeah, voices have clarified as well, you know, their belief um, is that Osprey's uh, contract, um, he did resign a 20, in 2019 for five years. Um, but, you know, I don't think we, we have that absolute concrete anywhere. And I suppose there is always the chance if he's deeply unhappy, New Japan let him out of this deal. But yeah, they're, uh, they've thrown uh, some cold water on that. Definitely uh, go and support our, our friends over there at uh, Voice of the Wrestling Patreon.com. That's Voices of Wrestling yeah. for that. And other news updates and uh, all kinds of stuff about uh, us being eating cunts. But anywho, we should uh, <laughs> move on to uh, to other You're not wrong. <laughs> oh, the right. I, the I right. don't I love, mind beans. Yeah, they're, they're, they're right. <laughs> I had a nice, a lovely brunch at the weekend with some uh, some nice beans right on it. It was great. It was one of them places where it was a, it was a, it was a break. It was a, it was a, it was an English breakfast, so Joe wouldn't have liked it. But it was like it was a build your own situation. But the problem was every item because it's London, every item on it cost like two or three quid. I think I ended up spending like twenty quid for this breakfast because I was just piling extra stuff on it. But it was very tasty. Did enjoy it. So yeah, and the where, where beans included because of course they were because we've been eating fucks. <laughs> Anywho, that's not enough to part. <laughs> Moving on, we should talk some AEW. Uh, we do have uh, some uh, some AEW news as well as uh, Dynamite mm. to talk about. I was, uh, yeah, obviously at uh, the weekend saw this uh, this pop up and there have been 
different takes for it but i think overall people are, are taking it as a po- positive that yeah dynamite is moving to tbs uh next year uh 2022 along with that uh aw we're going to have a, a the additional hour where we've all been uh, talking about uh, it's going to be launching in august initially on tnt but then moving to tbs as well tony khan in his typical ewar sign uh ewr save mode is uh called it aw rampage uh, i think uh, yeah it's a shame he didn't didn't just go with thunder or you know something out lightning aw lightning to go along with the uh, the dynamite name but yeah rampages is a generic name as you could aw drizzle yeah aw drizzle that's the one i want to say um, <laughs> but yeah they got the title for the show there just to throw it <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, uh, but yeah, that's the obviously the big news is that there's an extra hour coming. Um, apparently, uh, I saw Tony Khan had uh, spoke to Boston Open Radio and did say the uh, the network did mention the possibility of turning Dynamite into a three hour show, and he shot that down quite quickly. So yeah, Tony Khan uh, baby facing himself yet again. He knows he knows that is not what uh, what anyone wants. But yeah, that's I mean, the death of wrestling TV. Oh, honest to God, yeah. Don't uh, you know Nitro made those mistakes all those years ago, and do we? Follow them yeah. into it. How long's Raw been? Three hours now. It's like something like eight years or something daft like that. It's like it's longer than you think. It's been a fucking yeah. long time. And, and they're trapped it. in the content creation aspect. So yeah, it's, it's a horrible there. loop where they just go, No, we want three hours of TV on a Monday. Yeah, yeah. And they don't and they haven't got the brains to know how to reformat it no. to maybe do like an hour long pre show with younger talent or anything else. Honestly. Nothing that's... sensible like that. No. no, no, just take take the money and it, will, it won't have any effect year on year or any crater under the ratings as things go on but no. no i think it's it's a good sign there that obviously yeah one tony khan's got the nouse to say that and two that you know they got the power um to push back with them um i mean i was going to say about this deal jp that you might be the one to to answer this i mean mm. you know i know a lot of brits might be confused they're going from tnt to tbs we all know tbs is the uh, the channel that the thunder was on back in the day so it's, yes. it's easy to maybe think of it as secondary and maybe it is in some ways I, I, the best analogy i saw of this somebody kind of explained that it's a bit like going from BBC One to BBC Two, with the caveat being that BBC Two in this scenario is maybe in actually in a few more homes and actually has a slightly better listing on uh, on cable systems just because of the history yeah. that comes with it. So it hasn't got like that negative of like because BBC Two is secondary to BBC One. It's actually you know in a way TBS carries a, a lot of its own weight. Um, it's just mm. they're leaving you know they're, they're moving on to a, a channel that's maybe got more like comedy reruns that type of stuff um, than TNT, which is probably going to be more. Of the, you know, it's going to have a lot, you know, they have a lot of movies on there, but it looks like they're going to have, you know, the, the sports stuff, which is the stuff that would have preempted um, AEW going forward and yeah. what's preempting these next two weeks. So that's another positive, it means, you know, rather than AEW getting shuffled around all the time, they're, they're going to be, you know, consistently on Wednesday nights. Is that, would you say that's a fair summarizing of the, uh, the difference between the two? I think so. I think that is a fair summarization. Like, there really is a minimal difference between them. I think the difference mm-hmm. in homes is like one's 81.3 million and that's mm-hmm. TNT and 81.7 is TBS. Mm-hmm. So it's relatively minimal. They're next to each other on the EPG, mm-hmm. which is the thing that really, I think that matters so much because in other words, if you're flicking around for dynamite and you yeah. just go down one station, you're going to find it. 
which it's not them moving around something else entirely different on well, there. When that happens, like that's happened to Raw and mm. SmackDown, especially SmackDown. Yep. Like those people don't tend to come back. Don't know what there is. Americans are like, ah, it's on another channel, too hard. I'm not going to bother yep. again. Like I'm done. <laughs> it's almost like it's not on this channel. You had your chance. That's it. I'm gone. Yeah, like yeah. it's incredibly harsh. Mm-hmm. Um, so like my impression of this deal is that it's a good deal primarily because what they were able to do was renegotiate their deal again. Now the terms of that haven't been in, haven't been disclosed, other than it's eight figures, mm. which you know could be anywhere from ten million. I heard Joe Lanza say this again, so bringing him up all throughout the show. Um, between ten and ninety nine million. Now it's likely to be at the lower end of that. Mm. But normally, what happens in these situations is that TV execs are quite cutthroat, mm. and they'll just cut their. They'll just go, no, that's it. We'll get rid because we've bought this other property and it brings in these, it's the advertising revenue that something like a hockey brings in or a basketball. That's why you invest in it. And it's live TV and there's very, it's easier to get the kind of sponsors and everything else. But the fact they've not done away with AEW is the sign that no, you're important to us. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we're going to give you money in order to make this move happen. And AEW is entirely reliant on that money in order to, in order for its survival. So, what they've what this does is it just further cements that AEW um time warner relationship mm. which is which is enormous for this in terms of the profile of the stations if i'm right in thinking TBS does skew slightly older TNT slightly younger um might help and, get some of them raw and smackdown viewers yeah it, it could help i mean again it'll be interesting to know but also the cody Rhodes reality show goes to tbs as well so oh, i mean yeah. there's a good chance of it kind of becoming like the big show on tbs itself the thing that's kind of heavily promoted and we say it's got old like kind of reruns of seinfeld that shit does good numbers mm. like that's that's not a bad lead-in to have mm. so i think it's I do think it's kind of, it, it's interesting at the moment. I mean, Joe Mills just said that the NBA commentators, this is during the playoffs as well that's going on, um, are plugging double and nothing. Mm, like that, really that shows that, that yeah. put it this way, I didn't see ITV doing it in any of their football <laughs> or any of their um, rugby coverage where I was actually, one of the things I was saying when ITV got it, and I'm going to come on to ITV in a, in a, in a minute, um, it is that, I thought, well, that's the way you build it up because it's through your sports division, but they never did that. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just never feels like it's kind of getting plugged by by anything for this. Um, I think, you know, overall, like I would have preferred a daytime show rather than the Friday evening show for me. You both would. Um, it's fucking the weekend preview, yeah. JP. It is. It is fucking the weekend preview up entirely for this. We'll end up having to do it early on a Saturday and just be completely resentful the entire way we're doing it. Probably competing with football focus. Um, and I like Alex Scott, so I, I, you know, I do want to watch those. I do think this, but this amount of money that they're going to be getting, do you invest a lot of that in a Daniel Bryan if you've got the opportunity? Now, for me, I would say absolutely yes. Like, because that is someone who I think that there's going to be a tangible response to what you're going to get, whether it's paper increased pay per view buys and an, in, an and an increase in ratings. That's what I kind of think. So I wonder whether or not you could throw that to a Daniel Bryan or a CM Punk, whether or not you you can you can do that with that, or are you going to be signing other people to kind of much stronger deals because they they've got a lot of people under contract anyway. You'd argue and they kind of needed the extra hour to be able to showcase some of that. 
I like the fact they've got Clash specials. Yeah, four I Clash specials a year. St- Clash style specials. They can't call it Clash yeah. of the Champions. That's one um, copyright they haven't been able to get. But yeah, that is yeah, another big part of the deal, isn't that it? Yeah, battle four, of the Winners. Four TV specials a year on TNT, <laughs> on TNT proper as well. Is that what it's called? <laughs> I hope it is. No, it isn't. I hope it is. <laughs> there is a rumour. They did copyright something that's like that, though. It's not that far away from the real one. I'll have to find it. Uh, but I wonder it's going to be Battle of the Belts or something like that, it's called. So you're <laughs> But that's strong, Clash isn't it? Ba- like to a point, Gareth. Bash like, of know. the champions. I'm guessing you're a big uh, old old school Clash fan. Who Gareth or me? <laughs> I think both of us are. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, th- I think that's just that's a massive boost. I think that as well as maintain, as well as obviously the financial deal for moving channels, and it shows that long term commitment to or that long term relationship between the the TV network and, and, and AEW, I think maintaining that element of a presence on, on both channels as well by having yep. the, you know, the, the, these yeah. um, specials and things like that. It's really strong as well because then it does, um, it, you know, it keeps that, it keeps that cont- continuity with, with, with both channels. And then also it just builds in that cross promotional element as well there, you know, obviously where, where Joe Joe's saying there about the the NBA commentators plugging it, then obviously we've then got the hockey on there as well, and it's potentially getting you know plugged to a different sports audience and things like that as well. It's one of these cumulative things that over a, a period of time, by having different touch points on different networks, that you can kind of attract people in and, and, and watch it. Hope, hope that it's something that's just going to be a a long term gain for them. And then obviously one of the major things that we've like we've talked about in the past is obviously this difference now between TV revenue and pay per view revenue. And and the way that you know the, the model's very different to when we were kids, and obviously you built towards your pay-per-views, and then it was okay, let's go from four pay-per-views to let's go to twelve pay-per-views. Then now actually having those almost like temple TV events as well as your temple pay-per-view events, mm. it gives you more things to build towards, but it gives you more opportunities to generate revenue from uh, both a pay-per-view side of things but also cement that next tv deal as well you can turn around and go okay well when, when we're putting on fighter fest or well you know what you know the the, the tv based big event shows that they, that they do if they can build towards them better because they feel more special and they feel like a a, a, a larger event mm-hmm. then you'd like to think that they're going to generate more TV ratings for those shows as well, and then in, in which case they then become more valuable as a as, as a proposition and as, as part of a ongoing TV package as well. So, from a long term revenue generation standpoint as well, it just feels like it's a it's a major escalation as well. That you know, if you turn around in five years' time off the back of a, a, an element of success like like that, then then that's going to be great. Just need to do better TV ratings than they did this week, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say. I mean, that's the that's the other tie-in. You know, the, this this week's uh, show. We are <laughs> the trend isn't good, but there are some reasons uh, for it. Um, it's yeah, it's eight hundred twenty-one thousand um, for this last week's week's dynamite. Um, down twelve percent um, from the week before. I don't. Know, I mean, I, to be honest, when I saw that lineup again, I, I I joked about this week's show coming up looking like a dark lineup. I mean, on paper, this didn't look like the strongest dynamite. It looked like one of those weeks where they were accepting mm. it was going to be a bit of a, a drop down. And you know, while the stars were there, uh, they seemed to be mainly there. There was a lot of promos and and kind of 
pre-taped segments on this show. If anything, it was probably the most post-produced show I think I've seen them do. Um, mm. I think there was some negative stuff, to be honest. There was loads of times where it felt like Tony Schiavone was like literally phoning his, his lines in from a telephone. Like he was just adding bits <laughs> into the commentary and Excalibur's voice would be great. And then two seconds later, it was terrible because it was clearly something he'd recorded at four in the morning to uh, add on to the broadcast. And it was, yeah, it was a, it was a very weird show. Um this last week's one but yeah a bit of a dip in the ratings and there's probably a a bigger dip coming you know with this week's show being on friday and the week after's almost certainly gonna end up being a, a friday as well um it's uh yeah a bit of a bit of a, a dip can you know compared to the uh the big ratings they were doing earlier on when uh when nxt moved off jp yeah it is isn't it and it, it's uh, what was the reason this week it was the lakers warriors game is that, is that what it was that was the one that that was the reason given but mm. um that happens a lot mm. and if i'm thinking now it's like okay we are getting to the point where the 800,000 is the base base number mm. and then there's a kind of extra 2 to 400,000 people who are floating Hmm. who may decide to watch it, but then if something else is on, they're easily going to go and do that. So the thing I come back to, and I don't know the numbers, is I'm, I'm wondering what the plus seven numbers are. Hmm. What is it doing after seven days? How many of the people are catching, as said, catching the, up as well? They're in the chat, like, you know, I don't know much about N- NBA, but I was going to say NWA then. I know a lot mm. about that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> LeBron versus Curry. Apparently the best NBA game, game of the season. Um, so, yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. there's something to, well, I'm sure there is, but maybe it's stronger than we're giving credit for. And, yeah. and plus, and plus, plus from, from that giving credit point of view as well, you've got to look at that relationship between AW and, you know, TNT as well. And mm-hmm. it's not like they don't talk to each other. You know, yeah. they're so close and so deep in the analytics that, you know, you see a rating come out like this. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if that conversation has been had even before the show you know, even aired um, last week that, you know, they've sat down with the the executives there and they've probably made predictions of what they'd expect the rating's going to be. And they're probably well aware of the fact that it's going to fall and things. And they've probably got, you know, boundaries of expectation that they're setting for shows in this scenario when there's a big competitive basketball game and things like that. It's not, I'm, I'm, I find it unfeasible to think that it's kind of just a case of like suddenly there's 300,000 people's gone off the rating and then like AW's running around panicking because their audience has dropped and the same's going on at like TNT HQs of, oh my God, their audience has tanked this week. And so I'm pretty certain they're all talking with each other. And, you know, they, they they know that there's a reasons behind it. And as like JP says there, as long as like your, you know, your seven day figures and things like that hold up and it shows that, you know, okay, they might not be watching it live because they're watching the basketball, but they still watched it on Friday or they watched it on Saturday or something like that, and they still remained engaged with the product in in some way. Then you know that's that that would be when there'd be room for panic, I suppose. If if your overall audience watching it through at at any time period is beginning to in, in, to fall, but there's there's no indication that that's the case at all. I, I was going to say, sorry, just going back, a really quick point. Uh, I was, brought it up earlier on. Where did ITV fit in with AEW as a potential partner? I was wondering about how are we going to be watching Rampage? Is that going to be on Fight TV? Are ITV going to have it on? If so, you'll what be, day are they going to do it? You'll be watching it on my Fight TV account, mate. <laughs> as <good>. always. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 way, the way Christ intended. And you're thinking, I didn't resume... 
I didn't see it until this point last time. <laughs> but yeah, it's it is one of those things where you you look at it and mm. like you wonder where they fit into the mix as well and how committed ITV are as a partner because mm. I have to kind of think they must be quite happy with those ITV four figures. And having someone like an Anthony a go go, they might make some use of that. Which then I, uh, dynamite. <laughs> I, I was really surprised because I have it set up like on my Sky planner to just record, mm-hmm. and I never watch it via there. I always watch it like on my laptop on 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 the fight link. But I was really surprised to see that it was on at like ten thirty at night on a Friday night. I was yeah. think I thought it was I thought it was hidden away at like you know twelve forty or something like that. You know, so I was, I was really surprised that it was on at like at, at that gets moved early, around. I quite suppose. Quite suppose sometimes it's a like Friday, Friday night. Yeah, mostly yeah, it seems to be all them. Yeah, I was it, thinking it, if, there's, if there's that element of con- consistency there, then it gives it more chance to to build the audience as well, doesn't it? At, at that time of night, and you know, if they if they, but equally again, who knows? Maybe that just gives AEW a compelling in, enough level of ratings that when they've got these additional shows, they can now go and try and flog them to Channel Five or whoever kind of thing as well, and to, you know, mm-hmm. take that extra hour to a to another network. Who, again, it might you know might build up uh, other relationships there as well. But um, um, yeah, I'd love to see. It. I'd love to see. It. It's, as long as it doesn't end up like WCW worldwide. It's like <laughs> 20, 20 to three in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> sat up watching this. Wax bam, Batman sounds. That was it, yeah. pal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a great Z-Man match, but was it worth staying up till four a.m. to watch? <laughs> Uh, Channel Five, yeah, don't don't bid for that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, getting into Dynamite as a, as a show itself. Any any strong thoughts on it as a show this week? I I thought it was fine. I I saw a lot of big praise for it. Uh, I don't know if you guys would share that. I mean, I was, you know, I enjoyed the Moxley and Kingston stealing the shoes angle. Thought that was uh, yep. that was particularly great. Max Caster's uh, line about uh, oral sessions was uh, was a particularly good one. Uh, Renee Renee took it well. She uh, she always does. She's uh, she's a good good follower uh, on the old Twitter. But yeah, I thought that was a highlight. I thought uh, I looked yeah. to her. Uh, you know, I think Serena Deeb looked like the uh, yeah. the star that that, that she is um, out out there with her uh, velvet. I thought that was a a really good match. Maybe my highlights as far as matches go. Um, yeah, what would uh, what were your guys' uh, highlights from Dynamite this week? I would go with. Sorry, go on. I was, was, was going to say the, the, the highlight for me was that match, that Red Velvet Serena D match. It was yeah. it was it was absolutely fantastic. I just um, I think what a uh, what an ass- asset both of these uh, are proven to be as this as this women's division started to develop and flesh out and certain people have got more experienced and been given more opportunities and things like that. Obviously, Serena Deeb coming in and been someone who's, you know, already bringing that level of experience, but the quality of matches that she's put on pretty much every time she's she's been on TV there. And, and I just like this with, with her returning this time and returning with this, I don't know, more... Not, just, just more aggressive edge to her as well, yeah. kind of thing. Almost like a... You know, a slightly more of a heel leaning than she's maybe shown in the in in, in the past as well. But it just, I just thought the pace of it, everything was really high impact. There was really good striking. The um, it had, I think, one of the things that jumped out to it was like that genuine competitive feel to it as well, which 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 I think was I think was great. But it didn't all just come from Serena D. But it came from Red Velvet as well. And as much as people talk about like Tay Conti and Anna Jay has been like success stories of the AW Women's Division over the last twelve months, 
I think Red Velvet really jumps out from that point of view. And again, she's to me, she is just another example of with the reps she's been able to get on dark and you know just working matches regularly, work, you know, working on TV as opposed to you know learning in a warehouse somewhere. You know, I think it's it's really shown the value in accelerating somebody not only as a wrestler but the confidence that they can bring to their their character and their in-ring work because to me she's someone who when i first saw her she looked a little bit rabbit in the headlights and didn't you know she didn't look tv ready now she's accelerated a fucking rapid rate there where you know in that match you were thinking you know christ you throw into her into the mix against the six or seven other people there that we talk you know obviously we we wax lyrical about Britt baker and you know Sheeda and thunder rosa and then obviously uh, you know reference there you know chris statlander improve and take conti and you know things like that suddenly this women's division aw has gone from something that was deemed to be a bit of a joke and a laughing stock where they're actually putting on really good strong quality matches and so you know suddenly it's becoming one of the key parts and highlights of the the show to me and there's there's a lot of people that you're looking there that have um you know real promise to emerge as a, as a star in the next two to two to um, three years and then obviously then on top of that you add uh, jay cargill to the mix as well as someone who's just that bit different and maybe not that worker but that that big character that big personality with star quality and um, yeah, all, 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 all this, you know, feeding together, feeding together, just feels like a, a massive positive to me. And um, yeah, I loved this on this show. I mean, I went three and a half on it, but mm. I was very tempted yeah, to go three point seven five. To be yep. honest, I was kind of flickering between between the two, and I just sort of heard on the negative for whatever whatever reason. There, maybe I'm just negative. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> Ultimately, I think you give this like because what was this? Just sort of a shade under ten minutes. I think you give this another five minutes, mm. and you've really got something then when you can really go into it. So for like a TV match, it was perfect. Hmm. because it was like a kind of not a bolt from the blue but it just had like real momentum at a point when the show could be lagging a bit hmm. i completely agree with a lot of the stuff that you uh you've said there like we've been kind of quietly high on the aw women's division for a while and these are two of the people who don't often get thought about um uh as much when it's um uh, like when it when it comes to a lot of those those names that you mentioned, but Serena Serena D. I was thinking less of a heel and more of a kind of like veteran. The idea of knowing what the shortcuts to take, knowing how to be aggressive and do that, and I think that kind of worked. And I thought, well, you've actually got the groundings of a nice little feud to have there. Mm-hmm. And Red Velvet, if you imagine, like a lot of her call to prominence was you mentioned Jade Cargo was her replacing Brandy, and my God, how it would have been worse. We would have been talking about Brandy fucking up, wouldn't we? And how bad the moments her and Jade Cargill were. We would have been talking about like as much about the shack bump. You go, well, they did the shack bump to kind of rescue the rest of it. Now, Red Velvet has lived up to like, she's been doing a lot of this stuff kind of under real high pressure on TV. And it's really good to see someone being consistently rewarded where you're going, she's really developing in front of us. So you're going to get that organic, natural crowd connection when she's there. And it's a a whole justification for dark and dark elevation, which are two shows that I don't watch necessarily. It's only so much AEW you can really watch in the week. But you know what? Every time I've switched on, even if I'm just like doing other things, whether it's like cleaning or something like that, 
It's always been enjoyable. I've always found the commentary kind of nice. I've always thought these are workers who I don't know. I like the concept of the show. I like the tiering system. I think it gets everyone gets reps in. They're doing it like they've they've kind of got a solid format to it as well, and they give you a bit of character. Yeah, so like this for me was like the obvious kind of highlight, and certainly from a wrestling perspective on on the show. Um, I went three and a half, like you guys, but like could have gone could have gone higher. Could have gone higher on uh, the, the the other match that I thought was the highlight of the show. Uh, Anthony Agogo out there with uh, one of the oh. sons. Was it Austin? I don't even know which one it was. Austin. Uh, tell yeah. you what, as, as much as I disliked Cody's promo, um, although, again, I will say, I still get amused at, uh, at, at whatever Cody does, especially in this match where he was hanging out outside with his American flag um, in his track jacket. Uh, this... <laughs> This Anthony Agogo run is just like, he's turning this whole feud around. Like, I don't know how effective a job Cody's doing as being the babyface here, because I really don't think it's just the Brits at this point. I think everyone is behind Anthony Agogo at this point with both the promo he's cutting, you know, when the AW cameras are on, and also just on Twitter um, with the abuse. He was, he was having a go at them for uh, passing his driving test today. Apparently, you just you yep. circle around some cones and you're, you're done in 20 minutes, uh, as well as some yeah, more serious matters about yeah the uh, the impoverished nature of the the poor in America and the gun guns and all of that stuff healthcare <laughs> he's an absolute he has baby. a point as far as like oh honestly and yeah this uh, this match with uh, whichever gun it was on uh, on dynamite as well it was. <laughs> You know, it, I, I I still wonder, you know, Anthony Gogo doing an actual wrestling back and forth match with someone, you know, what's he got in his locker? But as far as a match goes as well, you know, protecting someone's weaknesses and just showing off the strengths, this was fucking great. The, uh, you know, that Austin Gunn with a blood packet in his mouth, uh, you know, a bit, bit, bit of tomato ketchup there to uh, to sell it, you know, and the the, the gut punch was was death and just in general, he had his, uh, his big uh, his pop-up um, knockout which is what a simple but effective move for, for someone oh. in his in his position and then yeah like I say you had uh, Cody and what's left of I don't even know why that nightmare that side of the nightmare family still exists with, with Arn Anderson on the outside and Cody was an American flag getting in the ring and leaving his flag uh, draped on the roof for uh, for Anthony Gogo to have his way with like yeah uh, Cody's uh, still Cody he's gone to Cody what are you going to do but yeah Anthony Gogo has been an absolute highlight of Dynamite these last few weeks I reckon I agree with a big asterisk on let's see what the match is like because it <laughs> can all die in one night yep it, it can go one of a couple of ways like mm. you're expecting more than the Shaq match mm. and he chose athleticism in there he didn't look like he was completely lost or anything mm. else but you, it's, you can't judge it on this mm. like on this kind of a match it's 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 still that kind of showcase of him, which he has a lot of that stuff down. And I like the fact that they're talking about the eye because I think that's a really interesting story. Mm. A, because it's going to play into the matches, the idea of anyone diving over to his left. But also it gives the real credibility of, well, what this guy may well have done if he'd been in professional boxing a bit longer, but he had to retire because of his eye. And the fact that he's battling about the fact that it's 78%, he's blind in his left. In, in his eye as well like I think all those things kind of really added to it let's just see what the match is like I'll be honest I'm I'm fearing the worst and hoping to be pleasantly surprised because it would be great if he turned out to be like have a kind of level of I don't know like not prodigious talent but he just kind of gets it and he's able to work a, a kind of a decent match because 
talk about fresh and new on the kind of in terms of British wrestlers, like my God, this kind of changes quite a lot of stuff. And if he's good at it, it's the kind of stuff that will get on the BBC sport site. Like it'll get into the sun. It'll get into mainstream British press. Like even if it's kind of people might not think of it as much of a story, you know, but I think that's the kind of potential that it has considering they don't have any, like they've got Kip Sabian, mm. but really they've got no, like this is all of, your own like, <laughs> Yeah. And I like him. Yeah. But there's no one else like, mm. and, and I think this is like in terms of the storyline and the rah, rah element with the patriotism, I just look at it as wrestling 101. It's, it's quite lazy. They do this stuff a load of times. I'm sure we said this last week, but, um, overall like i'm intrigued it's going to be one of these matches where it's a good reason we're not doing like the watch along because Mm. i want to see everything that happens during this match because i don't think it'll go very long and it's like it means everything's going to kind of have to matter and like in an really what should be happening is he should be smashing the shit out of cody and cody goes away in paternity and then Mm. comes back you know maybe one of the tnt specials (laughs) Yeah, big big sell yeah, job for Cody uh, coming, I reckon, Gareth. Yeah, and I think this is the value of Cody as well. As much as we talk about him like flopping between his different feuds and him having a short attention span and things like that, for as good as Anthony Gogo has been, he's only getting this presence because of it being with Cody. You know, he's, it's it's getting that level of profile and that level of time and things like that because of, because because of Cody. And this is the value in Cody is is. You know, again, it's elevating, you know, people or at least putting the opportunity there for different people to be elevated in this way. And he did do it like Darby Allen and things, didn't he, in the first year and yeah. stuff. There's, you know, there's different people that he's worked with there. He, he, um, Kingston got a job you know, on so, Yeah, um, Wardlow as well, I think. Wardlow works with Cody Rhodes, didn't yeah, he, as well, for, for a bit as well, you know. So he has, for, for as much as we do criticise him, he has had actually a lot of value in, in, in terms of, elevating some of this newer talent or younger talent as well and you know i think this is again no matter what direction this goes if ultimately cody does end up winning the feud what what you've got is anthony agogo meaning more in two months time than he meant two months ago and and that's that that's a win either way is that you're bringing somebody else through who's who's got a bit more purpose and yeah like you say from a british standpoint where they do have object you know they do have a clear objective to run some shows in britain in the future and things like that he's just going to be a perfect guy to just do the rounds of the you know the british media and have him popping up and doing something with philip schofield or something like that on this morning and things like that you know and it's especially where it's itv as well those those kind of opportunities and things like that will be be being valuable really and it's it's a much easier sell with it's when it's a british guy who's going to have some name recognition to middle england than um than you know trying to do it with john moxley or eddie kingston or something like that yeah you can't sit Moxley on the sofa on Graham Norton, can you? You could put Anthony a go-go. Then. It's true. It's true. I want to see it still. <laughs> I'd love to see it, yeah. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Eddie Kingston on that sofa, alongside it, oh, with fucking good. June Brown and Lady Gaga Ooh. on the other side. <laughs> He'd charm them, mate. He'd charm them. You know he would. <laughs> I'd be into that. 
<laughs> June Proud. <laughs> Another possible title. Huh? Um, yeah. <laughs> any other highlights from Dynamite then, or like other than uh, than that stuff that you guys uh, particularly wanted to mention? I would like to mention the acclaimed. Like this was one of the better acclaimed. I'm not mad on the acclaimed in the ring. I enjoy Max Caster. Like I enjoy the act. I'm enjoying it more and more. I know that there's a kind of juvenile element to it, but it's the way that he kind of carries it off. I've seen like a few of these things. Mm. I enjoy them more than perhaps I should do. It feels like much more of a kind of guilty pleasure. Well, we know you're a big hip hop fan from the Q and A, JP. Big well, obvious, yeah. yeah. You know, big Jerusa Damager fan. <laughs> you know your freestyles. I, I really do not like. <laughs> this is just through osmosis but it's like i i'm them as an act like i i'm fine like they're the kind of act that should have like a secondary tag team titles that's really where they should be and they're young and they're developing and what it did is it added some really good heat to the match because you look at moxley's face and he's just doing the kind of just staring through them as well. And they obviously would have discussed it. And then attacking Bowens before he gets to finish off the tagline. And I just think he kind of added things off to a kind of uh, a, a kind of a good start. I enjoy Moxley and Kingston, like you say, when they came in later on in the show and they <sighs> when they're stealing the Bucks trainers. That's, the fact that Moxley couldn't get them off, that was my favourite bit. The fact that Kingston yes. knew exactly what he was doing. And you could tell Moxley was struggling to the point they had to cut away. And then they came back and they just had all the shoes. But that was still great too, because you got the, the visual of Kingsley just standing yep. there with four pairs. It's a shame they weren't Knicks um, to the uh, to the pre-show chat. <laughs> four pairs of Nikes. I, 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 I want to see the laces tied together and hanging over a uh, telephone line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would say by the way i like this like the last time they did this you ended up with omega and page which worked brilliantly like for for what it did and i like the fact of moxley's got a tag team partner to go to mm. just because it doesn't mean he's always a central figure in the main event like kind of so in the world title scene it just means you can just move him on ever so slightly for this mm. And you've got Kingston there where if he, you know, he takes the fall, that's that's no real surprise. Oh, but yeah. my God, again, every time you look, you go, this is great, isn't it? Like, mm. And at some point you do want him to win a title there because it'll really mean something. Even if it's the tag team belts, even if it's the TNT title, it's not likely to be the world title. But like there's a, just the, his delivery. Like when he says about like, is it the, the rapper and the rapper's friend that we were talking about before? Like it, it, it's it's all of these things where he's just kind of found his home and he's yeah. just sort of walked in as this experienced veteran and he's getting rewarded by putting in high profile matches where you know he'll live up to his end of the bargain. And all of the things that we might well have been lower on him about in his career, about thinking, well, this is why you're not in a big company. It might be the kind of physique. Mm. It might be the kind of rough around the edges style. Well, even his back, That's is, all he's, part- got a, he's got a ceiling. You know, he's a he does have a ceiling. Athlete, you know. It's part of the appeal. Mm. Like, you know, the, like yeah. when him and Moxley had that first match, I remember going like four stars on this and just going, that was as, that was as good as you were going to get from a kind of match like this. And That's he true. adds the subsequent drama to it as well. Mm-hmm. And these little touches have been nice in the build up for it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's improved his look though as well. Yeah. Like I yeah. just mean, physically, I mean, his gear, I think he, he, the gear he used to wear, it looked awfully bad indie look yeah, about it. Whereas yeah. now he's, he's maintained the same, look and feel of it but he's mm. done it presented himself in a way that makes him look more 
that to have more star quality kind of thing. I think mm, so, yes. yeah, than, than, than what it was done previously. And I think that's important as well because mm. um, when you are on TV, your gear can't look like total shit, and he did yeah. look like total shit at first, whereas remember, now he does look like a genuine star. Like. Remember the green he wore against Moxley? Oof, that was bad. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know you love Misawa, but fucking come oh, on. Oh, honestly, yeah. That, and people were acting like that. He looked fucking amazing. He looked terrible. And I'm as, I'm a, you know, as happy mm. as anyone that Eddie King's, believe me, that he's getting this mainstream run after, you know, 15 odd years of uh, spinning his wheels on the indies. But yeah, that is that was always his downside. But yeah, he even that's improved, doesn't it? I, I would say the same thing for the Varsity Blondes. Mm. Like, it's just those little touches that have made them look like a proper team. Mm. Yeah. And, like, and then they've got, um, oh, what's Hart. her name? Is it Julie Hart? Mm. Um, Not a real like, heart, apparently. That that, that, that no. broke my, broke my Don, heart when I found that out. <laughs> Don Callis dropped in the line. He goes, like, the golden rule in Canada, you never trust a heart. Never trust. <laughs> yeah, which I thought, I thought was a great line. We need to find it. a link. But I... Twelfth cousin or something. <laughs> She's got to be related I, cause, somehow. Because <laughs> that main event match, like I had relatively low expectations because we've seen quite a lot of Brian Pillman Jr. from particularly like kind of MLW mm. where he was kind of all over those shows and he was like incredibly raw. Mm. Do you know what? He's really, he's coming along well here mm. and they mention the dark side of the ring. They don't hide away from any of that. So, I mean, he brought it up in the promo himself. I think he came across so well in that documentary mm. that like immediately I'm kind of there with it of like, Oh, this is the journey with them and Griff Garrison. Griff Garrison's good. Mm. I mean, he's he, like, he needs to fill out a bit more, but my God, like, you know, he's a good hot tag. Like he comes in when he does that dive over the ropes, you know, he clears it by a fair amount as well. I mean, like there's, there's good stuff there. Again, I'm, banging on about secondary tag team titles. I've heard rumours of a trios titles. Like, fuck that. No. Secondary tag team titles. Because you've got loads of good secondary tag teams that just need a bit of stakes added to their matches. But yeah, with with this as well, I, I like enjoy the fact that they were, you know, it's trying a different pair at, at, like in a television main event. It's really good experience for him. I think his selling's come along a lot a, a, a lot as well um, in terms of Brian Pillman. I thought like there was, it was just some good stuff in there. I went 3.25 on it. It's nothing, you know, it's a TV tag main event. But I enjoyed it more than perhaps I thought I was going to. And you know, the Bucks doing the ultra cocky stuff. I I don't mind that incarnation of the Bucks in a match like this because mm. like, the result wasn't really ever in doubt. But, you know, what the hell was Matt Jackson wearing on the... What are they wearing overall? I mean, it's 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 the side of the Bucks where you think, I kind of hate this, but at the same time, it does generate a kind of heat. So mm. does that mean it's working? So you're kind of you're liking it, but sort of through gritted teeth whilst at the same time disliking it. It's a weird feeling. Yeah, I, I'm like that. I think with their whole the the books aesthetic at the minute, the, the mm. outfits that they're wearing and things like that, I just think it's good heel heat kind of thing that they're uh, that, that they're generating with that. And I just think the whole alongside that turning up the dial on the cockiness and that like that character side of things as well, that stuff going on, on with it, it's just making them look like bigger dicks and things like that, and making you be go against give give you less reason to like them which i think is important because mm. there's a lot of people out there who will still want to 
cheer for the Bucks, and I think as much as they can just do little sort of things that make you not want to cheer for them, then that's a that's a that's a real positive. I mean, in terms of other stuff on the show, I mean, the, the something that jumped out for me again was like Miro and his promo. Yeah. Like, I really really yeah. enjoyed Miro's promo, and I, and, I, and I think one of the things that over the years, when you've seen him on different things, when he's been given the opportunity to talk in a non-scripted environment. He's always come across as somebody who is a natural talker. He's he's naturally a funny, charismatic person, and and I think that was something that you know really came across here. I think there was that great moment there where he was talking, and then the crowd like disrupted him with the "We want Derby" chance, and then he just kind of you know he just stepped away from what he was talking about, just held the belt up and said, "There's your Derby" kind of thing, and he was just he wasn't stuck in the moment of what he needed to say so much that he couldn't pull himself back from it and then react to the to the to the crowd accordingly and i think putting him in an environment there with a with a live crowd when he's doing promos a, a bigger more genuine live crowd in the future i think he's just going to bounce off it a lot more with his natural natural wit and his natural ability to you know engage with with people and things like that and that so, you know I, I think that just came across as a, as a as a real positive i just loved some of the lines that he threw in there like to to jake the snake like you know you whatever you come too close and there's not enough yoga in the world that's going to be able to save you and things <laughs> yeah. like that You're just like what a good line that is you know to if you know you know you jake the jake the snake history and things like that but i just think he's i don't know i just see ass kicking baby face in the future for him yeah. further down the down the totally. line but currently on this you know the the way that he's been repackaged over the last four weeks five weeks just perfection i'm enjoying him so much why didn't they bring him in there like this <laughs> it was the crazy thing that you just come, it's, just like, it's not it wasn't rocket science you bring him in you make him look like zangief out of street <laughs> and you have him kicking ass mm. like so I have to say his his one of his lines where he says, like, I'd like to thank Jesus Christ for making me so tough and strong that I could smash my opponents. <laughs> just like, <laughs> oh, it's just very, very good. Well, this, this is why he like got over. Little... This is why he got over. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's why Rusev Day chance took over WWE shows. Like, yeah. We we just could have done this, what, six months earlier? Mm. Was that unreasonable <laughs> to kind of say I know you think this whole video game thing's a good idea. Let's just scrap it and go to you coming in as an arse kicker. All right, how does that sound? That sounds good. Um, but you I'm glad we Sabian getting battered though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, it wasn't worth it for that. Like it just wasn't worth it for that in the end. As much it as was, we all it, enjoyed it. Yeah, as much as we all enjoyed it. But like that overall, he's good. He's he's like a good dark horse to have around the main event scene at this point. That's how he kind of feels. You know, in World Cup circles, he's he's your Croatia in a World Cup sweepstake. Good outside bet with some, like, you know, just really good aspects to it. But, you know, want to see it tested at that top level. But I was thinking him versus Omega. I'd be interested in him and Moxley. I'd be interested in. I know we would have probably seen it in the WWE environment. I have no recollection of it. I assume it exists. But Mm. in this environment, it feels, you know, good. Him and Lance Archer, I do think, has a ceiling, unfortunately. And I think that's more down to the kind of age and wear and tear on Lance Archer who, as he gets older, just like the back issues become that bit more pronounced. He doesn't wrestle 
particularly much. But I I assume it would be a sort of a good big man kick ass match and the rest of it. But Oh, yeah. um, I think even if Lance Archer yeah. was 20, you'd probably get the same thing, would you not? I don't know. I, I, I'm still excited for it. Big big fellas hitting each other hard. I think that's, oh, that's all we need to do. Ten, ten, ten that's minutes what it needs to be. Knocking out of each other yeah. for 10 minutes. Mm. Yeah. Just 10 minutes, though. Mm. Yeah. Don't try to get anything remotely close to kind of epic there. This needs to be different from a lot of your other title matches. Mm. So just make it short, sweet, violent, and leave it at that. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, I think that kind of, about sums it up, doesn't it, for AEW? I suppose there was the, uh, the three-star. Pinnacle in the stone. Yeah, there's all that stuff. Kit Barang, uh, Christine Cage, Matt Seidel had a three-odd star match. Um, you know, solid Seidel's pro- been all right. Solid professionals having a professional wrestler match is kind of what it was for me. Yeah. I don't have, don't have huge that was Christi- That was Christian the draw starting the show. That's why it, that's why it, uh, yeah. it started at 800 and it wasn't going to pick up because people are oh, Christian. <laughs> That's oh. just our interpretation, but yeah, I think it is. I, I must admit, I, I, I've been intrigued seeing the ratings come in and seeing that he opened the show. It did make me think, oh, if I can find a bit of time here, I just want to like have a little <laughs> dive into the ratings now on a Christian segment standpoint and just see if there's any any evidence here of him having a um, of what impacts uh, he has at, at different points in the show. But mm. watch the space. I think we'll have a look at that. I put that. Do back you know what? When I was out. Um, uh, on a walk over the over the weekend, I ended up listening to the Talk Is Jericho episode, mm. which was interesting enough because it's like just two old friends talking about it and all the rest of it. But yeah, I, I wanted to just give a bit of a shout out to Matt Seidel, who I think has been really good. I mean, he hasn't approached where he was in that kind of New Japan PWG days of sort of 2016 and the rest of it. But he feels like he's got himself back on track and the fact he's got that tag team with his brother to go back to as well, I think that's kind of good. He's a good, experienced hand. Work like should he be working on Christian Cage? No, there's a whole load of other younger talent that really who he should be in the ring with. But at the same time, he's I think he delivers a consistency of like sort of decent television matches. Mm. No, that's true, and you need that Did on the, your show, don't you? You do pinnacle in a circle stuff. I just, I mean, that was nonsense. I, I hate I, killing I, a week. Jericho needs to be like some of his ideas, like, a, and you know, it's his idea. Like this whole like you know taking turns doing a promo thing just comes across so corny. No matter how good he was at the end, because he was very good, I thought. Yeah. And then even next week, like next week or this week, they're doing another. It's like a, I don't know what they call it, a parlay celebration. Or yeah, the inner circle, part the parlay. It's a celebration of the inner circle because they <sighs> might split. They've been together two years. They are splitting though, hundred percent splitting. Like I, I yeah. looking at. I mean, I know people don't like hearing. You know, I'm not. I'm not even making the argument. You, you try and criticize the fact there's too many stables in AEW and the wolves will come for you. I'm not even saying that, but I am saying the inner circle and pinnacle are very, very similar as stables go, and I don't think you need both in the same company. I think that's that's more the problem than saying just simply saying there's too many stables or oh, they're well on the way out. I think. I think Jericho's uh, yeah. gonna do his, his lone wolf Terry Funk gimmick, and yeah, it's a nice way of separating them without forcing them to feud with each other. Because that's the other thing, isn't it? If you end a stable, yeah. someone has to turn. Well, no, they don't. They just have to split off and do their own thing because they lose the step match. That's totally coming. I think that's that's why we're getting one more. I can take one more, JP. One more, one more Jericho celebration segment next week, and then I'm fucking done. Don't need any more. And fucking MJF better not start doing them because Christ. Um, yeah, some of these WWE ideas that Jericho's got aren't the best. Take him off telly for a few weeks. That'd probably do. Please, him. if he lose, if they lose, like 
you kind of want to go, right, this is what the finish to Blood and Guts should have been mm. in terms of taking him out for a while. Because mm. I think that's what you, need, you kind of need to have that because it just becomes an excuse to have him on. Like there's just a segment where it's just like Chris Jericho comes out. But yeah, the idea of the decimation, I, I don't know. It, it, for me, it's it's not far off like kind of like doing a Nexus celebration video. They've not been around long enough to kind of really <laughs> That's been a anything. big part of the show, though. Like, they were the first stable. Big part of the show, yeah. I'm doing it somewhere off. I don't know if that's yeah. a fair comparison. But, uh, yeah. I'm just, I'm just looking here and, like, you know, obviously we were talking about last night about some of the Jericho elements been a bit stale. I'm looking here on Fozzie's website and Fozzie touring in September. Never Wednesdays, though. Yeah. I know this because Steph told me. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally throughout that whole period. And you think, you know, does he just want a little break before he goes on tour there and yeah. things like that? And he's always someone who's understood the value of going away and coming back hotter and things like that, you know. So I almost feel like with him, he's going he's gonna to know that there's a good time to go away and then come back again as, uh, as well. And his stock, will be, his stock will be increased coming back to live crowds and things like that as well. If suddenly uh, suddenly he's been forced to disband and he goes away or something and then he's returning to you know, full arenas and Judas hits and things like that, suddenly he's going to go from this where he's at the middle where he's feeling a bit stale and things like that to just feeling like that one last proper star run probably that he can that he can get out of it as well but mm-hmm. um that would make sense. his job he's done his job for what aw what he was which was first of all like helping them get onto a tv network mm-hmm. which he did with with his signing helping them get a good healthy television contract secure decent ratings which he's been proven to do mm-hmm. and establish lots and lots of younger stars which he's done and they've secured another television deal and an extension of that. Don't forget, a segment's in some ways, always too great. The segments are always yeah. on top, no matter how much we hate them. <laughs> Sometimes, no, exactly, and that's yeah. why that's why they're there, isn't it? Unfortunately, it's 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 like kind of a byproduct. But then it's not always about all the stuff that we like. Mm. So you look at it like that. He's done all of the things that you could ask them. He's helped establish a startup wrestling company. The idea of him taking a little bit of a break for a bit would be something that'd be well deserved. I still think you'd want to use him. You'd want to use him for storylines. He'd be the kind of person you go. Actually, you're not on television for like a couple of months. Do you want to have a look at this and just have an overview and tell me what you think overall? Have him like watching as like kind of a consultant of like watching the show because I think he could be really he could benefit from from that. Mm. Definitely. Um, Bob. Speaking of um, Jericho and. Doing everything. Uh, moving over to our last thing, we've got a huge amount of time left, so we might have to get, uh, keep it brief this week. He's the, uh, he's the he's the he's the narrator, so it ties in. Dark Side of the Ring. Um, Good talk a little bit uh, about that before we do go. They had the uh, Collision in Korea uh, episode uh, this week, and I've got to be honest, it's not a not a subject I knew a lot about. I almost want to revisit it at some point, maybe for a, a deep dive, or maybe not a flashback. Those shows look rough. I don't know if I want to particularly sit through the uh, the shows themselves, but uh, another good episode of Dark Side of the Ring, I thought. I thought uh, Too Cold Scorpio was, uh, for me, was the highlight, but I thought uh, your mate Eric Bischoff, Gareth, was uh, particularly uh, good as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's another uh, another strong episode, I think, for this season of Dark Side of the Ring. I think we haven't had a, haven't really had a miss yet. Um, and yeah, it was... 
it just it was kind of like it was one of them stories where maybe I've heard one of the cast maybe maybe I've heard Scott Norton talk about it before but I think getting all of these people together and getting them you know even Anoki you know on the show to to tell the story from the the varying point of view made for a really compelling show for me I, I was you know I, I expected this to be maybe not a low point of the season but one I, I wouldn't have you know a lot to say about but yeah i came out i learned a thing or two i learned not to mess with too cold scorpio and i learned not to not to go for a jog um if you're ever in north korea and yeah <laughs> i learned it was a yeah, very very interesting story to be honest and i didn't know yeah do we still be the uh the, the record of uh attendance belongs to them it was quite a uh, fun seeing uh our eric uh gloat about that i'm sure uh does he go on about a, a lot on his podcast gareth is this a, is this a story that's uh that's come up over time I have heard this going for a running career story um, <laughs> on a good probably fifty plus occasions and mention it in different places over the uh, over the years. Definitely, uh, definitely one that he, he falls back on. But mm. yeah, I agree. It was one of those things where there was definite things in there that I learned, stuff that mm. I've never, you know, stories that I've never heard before as. Uh, as well probably mainly the two gold scorpio stuff you know if i'm mm. honest i think maybe if it didn't have that scorpio element in this show it would have lost a lost a big part of it probably really i thought the uh the, the scorpio hawk stuff was kind of something that kind of helped to help sort of pin it together really over a, over a few days and some of that was probably the more surprising stuff than some of the korean stuff necessarily but mm. i think as a as a documentary i think it was just it didn't sort of outstay its welcome. It yeah. felt like it was the right amount of mm. stories that fit into the the time they had. It moved across at quite a nice pace. The, they got good people again. I think the talking heads in, in this particular season of Dark Side of the Ring have been uh, much better than maybe in the in the early days of this show. They've, they've got some, it feels like they've got a bit more budget or something like that to get more people directly involved or some more credible voices and things like that to be to be to be talking about uh, talking about things as well. But um, but yeah, all in all, uh, all in all good stuff and yeah, we'll just make sure that you don't leave any um, metal chopsticks around two gold Scorpio and you'll be all right. <laughs> what do you think he was going to do? Like, yeah. you're in Korea, mate, don't <laughs> don't stab someone you know what I mean <laughs> See, I, I thought all that stuff was really weird <laughs> yeah it, 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 do you not think it's, there need to be reminders like not the time or fucking place to be having some daft roided up row between the pair of you yeah. like can yeah. you hold your shit together for just four fucking days yeah, yeah. like that it kind of felt like just an almighty bollocking was needed well, to that but point then if as you well, don't... was it the place for the, the documentary? Because, like, Hawk is dead. Like, Tickle's Corpio was, like, clearly still holding on to that grudge. He's like, just so you all know, I did batter him. It's like yeah. proper lads down. What was it about? <laughs> Rick was Flair it just a row there? Yeah. yeah. It was about Ric Flair, wasn't it? It was yeah. something because Scorpio had beef with Flair. And then he said something about Ric Flair. And then Sir Hawk was, like, sort of defending Flair a bit. And then yeah. just for defending Ric Flair on, on another occasion, Hawk could have. Could have wound up dead in Korea, and two gold Scorpio spent the rest of his life in some um, yeah some Korean cell just be, just for the the honor of Ric Flair. I really like two gold Scorpio. Again, was that the time and the place to get us wound up about that as much as anything else? I mean, it it just feels yeah. It's really odd because actually you mentioned about it being the right length. They're the kind of things I I. I kind of had written down here mm -hmm. because otherwise it's quite familiar stories of the north korean surveillance state isn't it so the hawk 
Scorpio stuff. I kind of, I said to you guys yesterday, it's like you could entirely remove that from the documentary and you would mm. really be none the wiser about it. Mm. But it's there to add colour as much mm. as anything else. It's just like a bit of a kind of them going mental, um, which clearly knowing what Hawk was like, God knows the amount of fucking cold turkey that he was going through. Good luck getting somers on the streets of Pyongyang, is what I say. I <laughs> don't have much joy with that. Scott Norton mm. looks like he's gone there with what could only be described as the wrong attitude. Because <laughs> yeah. it looks like I'm going to fucking kick off at you. It's like, and he just needed, they just needed to be told where they were going and what it was like. Like, yeah. they just were like, what, what the fuck? I can't do anything. I'm playing pool. These lads are staring at me. Like, it's all kicking off. I called off. the country a shithole on the phone. And they yeah. it's like, what do you expect? Did you not think they'd probably be listening to your call? Yeah. You just explained that they're all following you to your room and you can't go, you can't even play pool without getting permission from yeah. the fucking soldiers, <laughs> like, and the, the government to, 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 to leave you. Yeah. I mean, he, he was more charismatic here than his entire WCW great. run in the nineties. Yeah, like, yeah. absolutely. It's just that his stories do familiar follow a familiar pattern of Scott Norton is angry. Scott Norton <laughs> stares at the wrong way at a group of North Korean lads. Scott Norton gets a bollocking until someone points a gun in his face and tells him to stop fucking doing it. At which point the penny drops but it's taken several times by which point everyone else seems to have gotten with the fucking program so i could never understand this about about him at all but yeah he's 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 gone there and he's just decided to kind of like tee off about it uh, mm. as 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 much as anything else i mean it is ultimately in the scheme of things one of the lighter dark side of the rings yeah. but in some ways I think after the previous couple of weeks, it was mm. still a change of pace because it was mm. much more historical. Mm. And again, like you guys, loads of stuff didn't really know. I was, um, we were talking about it on the pre-show, the idea of um, getting Andy Ogden. I know he covered uh, Collision in Korea for Graps and Claps, <laughs> but he'd have been a person they needed in that crowd by the sounds of things. <laughs> him, and, him and Jeff. Yes, <laughs> exactly that. Nice. Um, what's the shoes he wears? Just like the heel on the floor, just like fucking kicking out. <laughs> it was yeah. Scott Norton was yeah. Like I say, he was you, you hit the nail on the head. Like with him, like he just he was compa- he was genuinely compelling in a way I've never seen him being compelling like a in a wrestling environment. But yeah, you do you do look around. And I think you're the problem here, mate. And he kept he was obsessed with the fact that like all the security was short and small. And it was like, it's like I bet you said yeah. that to the faces. I bet you brought that up. Um, I bet they love that. Oh fucking yeah. Christ! <laughs> so yeah. I call my wife. And the phone fucking hang up. So I smashed up the phone in my hotel room and then they turned up and I didn't know why they were angry with me. So I stared at him and I was like, what are you looking at, you short motherfucker? So they put a gun to my head. At which point I thought, my God, this got serious. I better sit there. It's like, you have not helped the situation in no. any way, shape or form here. He said at the he's start. Proven he's proven he's... he's mm-hmm. Yeah. He said at the start, he, 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 he had that oppos- he had that thing of like he had that attitude of almost like, "Am I wrong? Am I wrong?" Kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know, like waiting for confirmation. Uh, am, I, am, I, am I wrong to be smashing this phone up? Like me? Exactly. He, he said at the start, yeah. like, "Oh yeah, we're, we, you know, we're, we're wrestlers. We used to live in the wrestler life." And then we, I was like, "I wonder what the wrestler life is that he's talking about there." Uh, yeah. It's very, uh, <laughs> very different experience. <laughs> uh, I loved him. I loved him calling though. He, he, he did call the. Um, 
the flare match, the the flare Inoki main event, oh, the yeah. greatest match in the history of this business. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, which because I, I don't know if that was on the basis that they that was the one match that actually got some like crowd reaction, and I was yeah. thinking like, like do, do, do you not consider they've been maybe told that, <laughs> that this is the match they, they have to put a reaction? It's, it's not a, it's not it's not flare falling backwards over the top rope that's uh, got them off their feet suddenly, you know, or you know, dropping face first on the <laughs> on the mats around the outside of the. <laughs> maybe they were told that this was uh, you know they could have been presented in this way that this was the one they actually had to react to Scott but that would make a lot oh. of sense wouldn't they uh, yeah guns <laughs> to the back of the, the lads in the front row's head uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you know the way that like George Formby or who was it George Formby was it Norman Wisdom was big in Albania maybe Ric Flair in North Korea and they just you know, when the flare flop stuff happens, they knew the reactions and stuff mm. like that. There was just no selling everybody else. Mm. Just like Scott Norton, mm, this is WCW Scott Norton, not New Japan Scott Norton. I'm mm. sitting on my hands. <laughs> I, I, I love the way Hogan was like, that doesn't work for me, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Flair gets dragged into it and he's apparently still mad about it to this day. <laughs> Brilliant. Because <laughs> he was second choice. I, not happy. As as you said earlier on, though, Flair is ultimately, uh, he's drawn a much bigger house than Hulk Hogan. Obviously, it helps when you've got the North Korean state behind you to help provide the numbers. That's like the kind of big proviso. Well, Eric was enjoying getting the little digs in, wasn't he? There about like yeah, you know funny. the bigger a bigger show than WrestleMania, you know, bigger thing than Vince has ever drawn, and things. You know, he was loving it. I was thinking it makes me laugh how him like he he keeps, you know, they put him in the Hall of Fame and things, and they will kind of bring him back into the WWE fold a little bit, but he. he he doesn't care. He'll still he'll still throw those digs in at every available opportunity. Like, good lad, Eric. <laughs> Got to take his risk, like Eddie. Oh, go ahead, I'd like to see this a lot more. MLW runs in Burma and stuff <laughs> like that. Just like they, they all just start doing like kind of mad deals with totalitarian regimes around the world to run professional wrestling there. Look, we had wrestling in China. They had about, didn't they? They had about 11,000. Uh, like some show with a load of American no one had a fucking clue what was happening and <laughs> OWE isn't a thing anymore so clearly it didn't take you know any traction but that's how you get yeah, a reaction for the Fiend this. there you go solve that Fiend rant. do another Wrestlemania Vince and put Fiend versus Randy Orton but do it in North Korea um, mm. at least we get a reaction and two they might not come back so we'd all win then <laughs> I'll take it <laughs> do you know what if you ask me if we're going to compare shows based in totalitarian regime <laughs> I'd much prefer Collision in Korea in some ways to um, the, the kind shows. of super show, the Saudi shows. I don't know why. I could be wrong. I've not watched Collision in Korea, and I'll probably feel completely That's a question for the next Q&A for, uh, for JP to rank uh, totalitarian oh, yeah. governments. <laughs> to, well, problematic pro would be there in a fucking heartbeat. Mate. <laughs> problematic to least problematic uh, I, I thought it was quite endearing as well I watched like all the wrestlers on it were like so enamoured with the fact they were on tour with Muhammad Ali and it was like oh yeah, he ran yeah. up the steps and it was like oh, he was yeah. 20 again and oh so and then he was doing magic tricks and we were all loving it and it's like you can tell it's literally the highlight of these lads lives that they were uh, they did something with uh, Muhammad Ali 
I love the way they thought they were safe because Muhammad Ali was with them as well. <laughs> like, nothing's going to happen to us because Muhammad Ali's here, so they're not going to pull anything funny because, you know, Muhammad Ali's here. Like, why, why would they do that to Muhammad Ali? Like, yeah. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> Says a lot for uh, Ric Flair, doesn't it? And, uh, yeah, his, uh, he's, he's, his celebrity He's not status. fucking Batman, though, is he, Ali? So, <laughs> Might have needed it for the kicked off. Um, and, yeah, I love the, the other story of Ric Flair kissing, literally kissing on tarmac when they got <laughs> back as well. Yeah. Oh. Amazing, Daddy. I wish he was the only missing thing from here as a talking head. Yeah. I want to hear in his own words, you know, how bad the plane was, how upset he was it wasn't first class, bit of Hogan griping in there. That was the only trick missed, I think, on this one. I don't know if he was kissing the tarmac though, or whether he was just trying to like suck up some fuel off the tarmac because he'd had four days with no booze there. <laughs> he must have been absolutely. He must have been hanging and like the, the first the, the first smell of a drop of petrol oh, on the my... runway. He was fucking oh, down God. there. He was, now he's sucking diesel. <laughs> that, that first that first plane out of the title of possibility. God, I'm I'm game for that. But like people do, think it's do a you, Kevin uh, Nash retrospective. It's not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's a great title for a Kevin Nash kind of retrospective for that. Or is it? It's featuring directly rude. Sorry. Yeah. Carry on. Featuring um, several Nitro girls. Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um it's two hours no, fifty, no one say. No, no, no. It's it's it, No one's listening. It's There's only four people point. still watching no. live. <laughs> it's gone. It was an amazing point I'll have. It, it'll come back in a second. Oh. But we'll let it go. Good episode, though. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's the uh, yeah. That's the good episode. One. Warrior next week, um, oh. which I know leads you to have seen the Warrior documentary. Think, Is it worth me watching? Yeah, I think we'll probably. I mean, we'll have to. We'll go into it in more detail yeah. next week. I think the comparison of the two documentaries is going to be the uh, the key point. But yeah, this was the A and E version. I know you, you saw it as well, Gareth. Uh, I don't know on you, but I, I was expecting to hate this. You know, I thought it was a good piece of work. I think. Yes, you know, they went a little bit light up on his grieving widow. Like, I've saw some complaints about that. Oh, she's she said that he he got the idea of being a conservative pundit from listening to Rush Limbaugh. But in this, in two lines in some interview he gave once, he said it was his wife that interviewed him, introduced him to conservative stuff. It's like, it's a fucking husband's dead. Shut the fuck up, you gobshite. Like, it's not, yeah. it's, it's not worth fighting over, you know? Like, if she wants to remember her husband in a nice way, fucking let her. Because the documentary didn't pull those punches. Like, the documentary, it presented her, it presented his two poor fucking daughters who, who lost their dad, you know, and, and let them tell the story of the, the, the man they knew. And then it didn't it didn't gloss over it, JP. They literally showed on the screen little, you know, highlight clip um, wording of, you know, some of the horrible things he said in speeches, there were clips mm. of some of the horrible things he said in speeches. Okay. They didn't shy away from that stuff whatsoever. I thought it. I honestly thought it was really balanced. Um, and yes, there's some hero worship in there because you know, yeah, you know, people do still see him as a hero. But I thought, other than you know, they skipped over the WCW bit of his career, which I thought was an odd editorial decision, especially mm. with the amount of time they had. But I thought it was pretty comprehensive, and yeah, all the stuff about you know his relationship with Vince and wanting that father figure, I think was you know pretty well done. And yeah, I reckon Dark Side of the Ring's still going to be better next week. But I don't know about you guys, but I, I thought it was a pretty balanced, you know, good bit of a documentary making this. I, I did. I really, really enjoyed it, and, and I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it as well because mm. of the you know the way some of the the other um, A and E stuff's been been done so far. But very similar to um, to a couple of the ones previously, they spent 
there's more time than I anticipated about the early life and the early days of their careers as as well, which, you know, again, you think a lot of these, you know, the age we are and people like the Ultimate Warrior and Randy Savage and things like that, you've heard every story under the sun about them, things like that, whereas I did actually feel like on the first hour, hour first half hour of this, I learned more about the Ultimate Warrior and his yeah. backstory and his upbringing and what he was like at school and these things with his father mm. and all that side of things. Like they really told a good story that, that true or not, correlation or causation and all that kind of thing. But I think it helped articulate some of the reasons why he had the personality and character traits that he did have and they presented sort of a strong argument for the for the way he was based on some of his past i think again in the um in, in the same way that you know some of the previous ones they had some great footage from you know from memphis and things um, you know from world class and stuff like that a lot of old footage there that you haven't necessarily seen a lot of so it was go warrior that, stuff yeah yeah all that like you, you, you normally expect oh, <laughs> awful. You, you normally expect though that this stuff's going to jump to wwe stuff very very quickly and you're going to be mm. watching this regurgitated footage that you've seen a million times before and things like that but i didn't feel like that was the, the case and one of the things that i really enjoyed about this was they had a lot of footage of him either side of his promos so you saw him oh, just before great. he was going to do a warrior promo and then just as he'd finished it just switching back to himself in the getting background. his direction off then vince yeah. telling him you know slow down here more intensity there and more I, intensity. I, loved, I, loved, <laughs> I, loved, I loved seeing that direction of things yeah. but especially that one where he had to do that apology promo <gasps> that was fascinating stuff absolutely yeah. fascinating and like vince is there going Jim, just do it. It's a work, Jim. It's a work. Just do it, kind of. You know, you just yeah. have to apologize. And but Warriors taking it so. It was their relationship in a nutshell. That one scene, brilliant to watch. Up, that. Didn't it? Yeah. it was like, yeah. a, like I, I don't think Dark Side of the Ring's going to have that kind of footage. I actually, they might lose this one. I thought it was going to be an easy, easy mm-hmm. layup for them to kill it and be a better documentary. But like, yeah, they're, they're having that, and you say all that old footage, and even having Sting on as a talking head, you know, talking about you know yeah, yeah. his bodybuilder who walked into his gym and talking about how yeah, you know, they were they were trying to be a babyface team, but they didn't know what they were doing, so they turned heel, and then you know, Warrior being Warrior got into a dispute with Bill Watts and wanted to leave, and Sting, you know, turned. I think Warrior didn't want to turn up to a show, but but Sting knew they'd only get paid if they went to the show, so he went. Kind of shows the difference in their personalities as well, you know. Mm. And you got Sting on tape talking about the fact, well, that that was probably better for both of us because obviously, you know, the way t- things turned out. And yeah, you're right. You know, all of that stuff. I thought that that they had loads of great footage and photos of Warrior as a massive bodybuilder. I mean, if anything, he made Sting look tiny, didn't he? In <laughs> some of that, oh, yeah. some of that footage, like Sting didn't look impressive at all. But I bet you he was if he was stood next to anyone else um yeah having all that stuff made yeah i thought it was a really comprehensive look at of, of yeah like you say why he's the person he is why he became the rest that he was and like you said then crucially the the relationship with vince that you know led to us you know coming in and out of the company um over the years it, it was maybe missing not having a, a more up-to-date vince interview that was weird wasn't it like the fact that all of these other a and e ones have had vince 
current current day Vince with as uh, Ian Andrew Dice Clay will say he's like um, in uh, Crichton in, uh, in Red Dwarf he's got he's got head number three on today oh he's got head number five on today the one with the uh, the drawn on smile <laughs> he's uh, this was uh, this was head number nine it was the uh, the 2014 head he always nails those <laughs> oh, he yeah. always fucking nails it's a gift that he has but yeah, I mean that was only for me. That was the only thing it was missing. Yeah, maybe a bit more current Vince. But even the stuff they had from Vince was still, you know, interesting. And the, you know that Vince had had a lot to uh, yeah. to say about Warrior and, and their relationship and such. I think yeah, that was a positive. I'm, I'm interested to see the the difference on the basis that I think Dana Warriors tweets or Demon, I've seen negative yeah. comments from there about like the dark side mm. of the ring stuff so clearly she hasn't cooperated with that one whereas I thought there was an interesting dynamic with her on this one in that you got to see and while it was sort of I don't know it was it was nice to see the children and the family side of it and things like that it did they did come across as very odd she comes the across as sort of a very a, a very weird weird woman and you wonder about them in their isolated lifestyle and things like that of them collectively together and things just comes across oh, as it's just, homeschoolers just, and stuff. Just, just a bit odd that it, it doesn't go into any detail like on that like per se but uh, you can read you can see enough and read enough between the lines of their relationship and that the way they were as a family and things like that that it just it it just seemed a bit bit odd so then you'd have to assume that the dark side of the ring without having her level of cooperation you think they probably are just going to turn the volume up on a lot of the you know the stuff in his interviews and his you know he's obviously his his video clips and all that that he was putting out at the time and things so you're probably just going to see a lot more of that footage and as much as that you know, needs to be seen from a documentary point of view. The balance of this across the piece and the story that they tell, I think, mm-hmm. I, I think, really worked. And I'm and I'm in, I'm intrigued to see with the dark side of the ring one whether they manage to achieve that, or if it is just does just come across as more of a hit piece and just present him as you know, look, this is you know, this is the worst traits of this which character, which is fine because he wasn't a nice man, you know, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and 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 that's that's well and good. But as a documentary piece, this mm-hmm. one definitely uh, surprised me. Maybe it's just me, but like I get the impression with the with the dark side of the ring makers that they that if it's season one, I'd be expecting a kind of more of a sort of glamorized hit piece. I'd be wondering in the dynamic, did, did they interview any of his like kind of does he have brothers, sisters, kind of close? Yeah, his, his mum's on it. Friends. Yeah, yeah, and he had some of his friends from some school were on it as well, weren't they? Talking about all oh, like yeah. he was loyal to them. Um, he, it comes down to the talking heads because mm. it's a series of people who just worked with him in wrestling and hated him because of kind of that. Then mm. you're gonna have an issue, aren't you? Mm. Like, because it, then it's just sort of like shooting fish in a barrel, yeah, just making him look like a prick. But that doesn't make him a good documentary. <laughs> it's yeah. it's the thing, and you know, and last well, we all week, saw you know, the Garrett, rise and fall or whatever the warrior one was that yeah. WWE did, where that was a hit piece. You know, they talked about it, on, yeah, on this. You know, how affected he was by that. Mm. Not a hard thing it's, to do. It. But it's like the stuff with the like you know we were talking with Nick Gage last last week. It's it's not about necessarily presenting someone who is who is kind of likable, but are you presenting kind of giving a reason for kind of who they why are they like the person who they are? 
Well, how do they become that person? And that feels like you're getting a bit more depth to it. Maybe it's just me on the A&E stuff. I think it's when the career covers parts of WWE that I've become less interested. And I haven't seen this one yet. Just because it feels like that's the point where the bullshit meter is kind of up to 11. At any any point when Pete Rosenberg was on the screen, that was when it went downhill because some of the stuff he was saying was was just wrong. He had his timelines wrong in certain instances and things like that. It was just totally, totally meaningless but yeah from mm. even there just thinking about back to you, you know the best stuff about him being at school and you think about him like defining his character and things where it showed him going to his like he'd gone to his 10-year school reunion and he was he only had time for the people who'd had time for him when he was at school and everyone else was almost like dead to him at the at the at the, at the event sort of thing as well and and again you just see that sort of like reflected in his personality and throughout life almost that it was like you're either on his page or you're not kind of thing and, in, yeah. and that you know that to to his fault you know that was something that was massively detrimental to him in so many facets of his of his life be it his political opinions be it his trying yeah. to work from a business standpoint with Vince be it his relationship with other wrestlers and things like that and you know it was a it was a, it was it was an intriguing look inside uh, that man's brain yeah I think you'll yeah. like it JP I do like I say the yeah. same as Gareth shocked me you know the, the job they did on it and yeah you know, Dark Side of the Ring's got a, a tough act to follow. Um, I will say one thing I don't like, like, you know, I mentioned at the top, the stuff with Dana Warrior, like, okay, yes, she shouldn't be in the, the position she's got with WWE. Okay, yes, the way they lionize him, considering all the horrible things he did and said, you know, isn't right. But like, you literally see people when, like, I saw a promo for the Dark Side of the Ring once a day, and after comments with people tagging her, going, ah, I bet you're not happy about this. And it was just like... <laughs> Her husband's dead. You know what I mean? Like, what do you want to do? What you yeah. want to do? He was scum. I hated him. I mean, I know she has got like she comes. You're right, Garrett. She does come across a bit like she's in some kind of cult, happy cult or something. Like there's something a little bit off with her. But yeah. I, I just don't think that's the cue the is strong in that one. Yeah, um, probably, probably. But also, pick sorry, your that's an awful. But pick thing your battles, say, yeah. like, you know. It's yeah. like, uh, of course, she's going to say nice things about her dad's husband. Um, and yeah, again, I think the documentary did a good job of presenting that while not just presenting it as the absolute fact, while you know clearly making clear all of those negative points as well. So yeah, definitely think you'll like that one, JP. Hmm. I'll watch that. And then uh, maybe watch some Warrior Award bullshit afterwards as well. <laughs> some, uh, on the WWE Network. Some MCW as well, mate. Some Dragon Gates, actually. Yeah, watch all that too. Yeah, MCW. <laughs> that, that Dragon Gate match. I'll yeah. watch that raid, the Reyes. I've got rounds to that as well. Revel- no wrestling. Double on Plenty of content. Well. God's yeah. sake, nearly four hours worth to be on live. Yeah, six we're, hours. We're, we're, we haven't got time to talk about my Steiner's marathon that I did on oh, Friday night as well. Sorry, oh. I'll save that to next week. Oh. Was it good? Can we, can we? We can get it at that. Was it good? Do you have a good we need time? A, we need a spin-off show on Friday night, which is what the week. You can have four minutes if you want it. I can cut something out somewhere else. No, no, you're all right. You're all right. Let's just say I watched the Steiner's against Doom. I watched the Steiner's against. Oh. Um, Williams and Gordy twice. Oh. I watched the Steiners against the Nasty Boys. Sarah went out on the piss, and I just sat in the house watching, uh, doing a little um, three-year timeline of Steiner Brothers matches. And yeah, what a oh, uh, I didn't know you did. What a what a night I had. <laughs> He's the real winner there. 
me. I wasn't the one with my fucking head in the toilet throwing up for uh, for an hour the following morning. <laughs> you chucked some star ratings out. That's all I want to know, Gareth. Was there any uh, any, any big ones? Oh yeah, I mean, well, the, the classic Sarah's the old, puke. The old <laughs> <laughs> there was some five, five star He's worked the ways in there, don't they? <laughs> oh no, it was the accurate. Uh, it was the old um, uh, Super Bowl one that was in there as well. The the Luger Sting against Steiner's match. That's a good oh. good four, four star match. The old uh, PWI match of the year. I remember for that year. But yeah, I, th- I threw a four at uh, the Beach Blast '92 Steiner Brothers Williams and Gordy matches as well. I, I love that Nasty Boys match from Halloween Havoc '90. That was a three point seven five there as well. So there's a oh. lot of quality, a lot of quality in there. And oh. I might, uh, I might pair it up this week. I, I was looking there and just seeing doing the uh, doing the same uh, with, um, but just looking at their New Japan run as well, and just mm. some of the matches they had um, with um, with with different different combinations over there. Be it um, I don't think I've seen much Muto, of that Japan stuff. and uh, there's a there's a Bigelow Vader match on uh, on New Japan World as uh, as well against them. So yeah, I think it might good be top a, five. This mm. yeah, five, yeah, five to one. There you go, yeah. <laughs> Five to one. There you go. Do your own work, so, lads. That'll be it. But that, that was, that was it. I must admit, that was, that was influenced by uh, Chris Linnae on that Graps and Claps mm. uh, career show as well because he was saying about the Steiner Brothers being one of the matches of the, the show on that career show and that just mm. inspired me. It just got me thinking like, yeah, yeah, I just want to want to see uh, Rick and Scott uh, throwing out a few big moves there. So there you go. That's my Friday night. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, always good to uh, to watch the uh, the brothers go at it. Yeah, um, I was thinking chucking a chucking the Steiner's squash match in there as well. Just mm-hmm. on there, just to kind of like. Oh, no one kills oh, yeah, people like Scott Steiner. Terrible. Just see them destroying people here. Yeah, oh, <laughs> Frankenstein are like you know how how phony and shit the the Hurricanes look these days. When you see Scott Steiner, that was a shoot. That was every bit of shoot. That movie, oh. people just went on their head. He must have been backstage, oh. like yeah, yeah, just land on the top of your head, mate. It'll be sound. Like <laughs> fucking. What God. are you gonna do if you had a problem with it? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you and you what? you look like a jobber yeah. in 1990, and you're going up to Rick and Scott Steiner. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Brian Nobbs, Brian Nobbs takes one in that Halloween Havoc match, and yeah. Nobbs look, he looks like he's just practically just going to go straight through the ring the way he takes it, like at first, <laughs> like it's a, it, it looks it looks great, but you just expect it to just see these two legs dangling out of like a hole in the in, in the ring the way he, the way he fucking takes it. But uh, somebody oh, needs yeah. to call it back. Somebody modern Quality. needs to start doing it like like Scott did, like because it doesn't look like cooperation when because it's got the leap out in it as well, and it's just like kind of yeah. like one motion. It's like it's a DDT, isn't it? It's not nothing like the uh, the shitty round as easy today. What a man! They got blew your mind the first blew time. My, I was literally going to say blew my mind as a kid. That it, absolutely, oh. it was it was the best. I, I couldn't yeah. believe that somebody could do that. What a, mm. what and I'd mean. read about it. You'd read about it in the Aptomags. Mm. The Aptomags <laughs> talked about this, and it was like, and then when you saw it, would have been world. Worldwide, it would have been mm. something along, or perhaps even one of the videos. And he just go, "What the fuck?" And he's yeah. just, yeah, incredible stuff. Amazing, amazing. Oh well, yeah. There you go. A little bit of bonus Steiner's chat there at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well worth it. Always, uh, always up for that. But yeah, that uh, brings us uh, to the end of uh, a mammoth show. I'm expecting it to be a big one next week with obviously uh, double yes. or nothing there uh, to talk about. But yeah, over on the uh, the Patreon side, plenty coming this week. The uh, the XWF uh, look back slash uh, sliding doors. Uh, we're going to be doing a weekend preview for, for Double or Nothing coming up on Friday and then for our live listeners uh, happy hour um, on or 
crappy hour um, on Sunday, usually a few hours to be honest, but uh, we'll be doing it before double or nothing to uh, to put ourselves in a in a big mood. We'll be uh, having a few drinks and then uh, sending you all off to uh, to watch the show. But yeah, that should be a, a fun Sunday night and a, a packed schedule this week as well as uh, all the JP's news updates coming up too. Um, yeah, sorry, I thought you were going to say something then, Gareth. No, no, I've got to, you're completely right. It will be a busy week. Yeah, that's, that's all I would have added to the conversation. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. So, yeah, everyone's got uh, that to look forward to. And, yeah, other than that... Oh, Gareth did have Yeah, Gareth. <laughs> I, I, I did. It was just because you said JP. I thought you were actually feeding into... I thought you were feeding into JP to plug some in there. But, yeah, just as always with the AW pay-per-views, um, if you uh, visit... Uh, if you are ordering it on fight, uh, make sure you visit grappleapp.com forward slash support because mm. uh, we'll be putting the link up there as as well again. So instead of going direct to, to fight to order the show, if you order it through uh, through the Grapple website and the link that's on there, won't cost you a penny more, but it just means mm. just get a little kickback off there that helps uh, with those server fees and everything like that for the app. And if you are watching it, make sure you get on the app and get your ratings in there as, as well, uh, just so everyone can... Uh, sort of see evaluate the uh, the show against other ones and um, yeah the people who may be picking and choosing uh, pick someone out there that, that they're going to watch but yeah if otherwise uh, to do that obviously just uh, visit google play visit um, app store and uh, download the app are you gonna have the free co- codes as well free trip again I'm expecting there'll be um, a free code there, yeah, JP. Don't be plugging flights or uh, don't be plugging. <laughs> sakes, man. Don't be, don't, be, don't be plugging business lounges or anything like that. We're all but, uh, vaccinated now. Come on. You're a full crowd there, mate. There's people here expecting to get a flight over there. Selfish, honestly. No, I'd, I'd imagine on Thursday or Friday there'll be something going up on the Twitter feed there with a uh, a free pass to to win it as well. To uh, as well, so you never know. You might get the chance to to watch it for free. Excellent. There you go. Yeah, grappleapp.com slash support for all of that. And yeah, that's it for us uh, for another show. We'll be back next Monday with the uh, review of that. And yeah, all of that good Patreon stuff coming up this week. So yeah, that's it for us. See you all. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. It's all too obvious. We're being let down by the institutions we used to trust. American families are talking about a future of food shortages, banks failing, society breaking down, and what seems like the setup for the apocalypse. But instead of throwing up their hands, folks are leaning into self-reliance, investing in emergency food storage now more than ever. And My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, has made it easier than ever for you to have peace of mind knowing you're prepared. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and stock up on their best-selling three-month emergency food kit. You get tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200 plus get free shipping on three-month emergency food kits at MyPatriotSupply.com. It's time to prepare for what we all know is coming. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com now. MyPatriotSupply.com